for part two of 2018's Game of the Year, the 10th anniversary of our blog, Silicon Sasquatch, doing this thing. Uh, with me as before from part one are Aaron, Doug, Spencer, Tyler, and I'm Nick. You you know who we are, probably. Uh, maybe. Yeah, the Fab Seems Five. Uh, you sure know our opinions about old games by now, so that's something. Uh this is part two of our Game of the Year uh, deliberations process, and uh, it's something we introduced a couple of years back. We've really enjoyed doing it, and we're going to keep doing it, I think, which is uh, this notion of category awards. These are um, ten categories that we determine as a group that we feel good about, mostly because like either we want to honor games in a specific uh, field or area of achievement, or they do something specifically well, or they have good music or art or whatever, uh, and because we think it'll make for a good productive discussion that will, you know, kind of help us tease out some things about what made these games interesting. And also, it's a good place to recognize games that do, like, maybe just one or two things really well, but may not otherwise hang on our top ten list. So, you know, you could think of it as a runner-up category, but I think of it more as just like a, uh, I don't know, overly uh, nuanced assessment of games that I go nuts for. So. And it's a good anyway. chance to talk about the craziest things that happened during the gaming year as well. Yeah. Oh, man. It's been a wild time for games, huh? When still, isn't it? Still got that Fortnite game going. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, what's Fortnite? We... Could we oh, take well, a minute to talk about <laughs> Yeah, so Fortnite is this game where Stop. Uh, four people uh, uh, co-op survival So it mode. takes over two weeks of time, right? Yeah. Of your mm. life that you never get mm. back. Mm-hmm. So we have ten categories this year. Um, I guess I'll just start by reading off what those are, and then we'll just sort of start at the top. Yeah. Uh, we all nominated some games for each of these categories, and uh, we'll spend a little time haggling. Our goal is to emerge from each category with a clear winner, and then two runners-up. Uh, the runners-up are not in any order. The goal is just like, hey, this one's the best, but we think these two were cool as well. Uh, so we'll walk out of this thing with 30, 30 games, maybe. Yikes. Wild. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and in the interest of time, I'll just shut up and talk about those categories. And they are Best Music, Best Art Direction, Best Character, Best Moment, Best Tone Control, the Norman Reedus Climbing on Things Memorial <laughs> Award, brought to you by Hideo Kojima, Best Continuation, that's a new one, Best Storytelling, Best Photo Mode, and another new one, Most Fun. Uh, cool. Any questions? No. You guys know what you're doing. It's almost like you've done this before many times. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's just start with best music. Maybe my fa- the most fun category, I think, for me. Um, I'm kind of a total sucker for video game music, especially games that either use music well, like shout out to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, or games that have a really, really good original soundtrack that really complements what's happening. Or in some cases, you know, the music is the game. Like Revolution X, music is the weapon. I want to start off with something controversial. Uh, yeah. Should we uh, acknowledge uh, that some of these are collections or remixes in the same way that we we don't put remakes or remasters on our top 10 lists so would it be fair to include music that is basically repackaging old music i see tyler is going for the jugular on smash bros <laughs> hell yeah already <laughs> rip that shit be... out hey tyler yo i'm not gonna push smash bros in this category but I think this would also apply to persona both the dance let him read the nominees I'm... Well, but they're not no, nominated yet. 
Tyler makes a good point. I think that we can be more flexible in categories <clears throat> than we can in the top 10 because the spirit of the categories was let's nominate games in a different way than just like a ranked hierarchical list of objectively good game versus slightly objectively less good game. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I think I would give more deference in these things to novelty and to innovation. And so remixes inherently are... You know, a remix can be really, you know, revelatory, can do really amazing things. But generally speaking, there's so much good original music this year that I don't see any of that stuff. Like, I love both of the Persona dancing remixes, but I I think it's, I I just would feel weird saying, like, oh, this stuff that just makes dance tracks out of Persona music, which is already pretty great, is like the best music of the year. That just seems kind of unfair to me. It would, yeah. I think the the balance to strike is somewhere between this is a new novel interpretation of these songs or the old like the Batman Goku argument of oh well Super Smash Brothers has all the Nintendo music therefore it's clearly the best no 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 if it's most music Super Smash Brothers wins this yeah. <laughs> yeah. there we go yeah, that that's what I was trying to get at is best music and best use versus most music yep much music if you're Canadian so. Uh, the nominees on this list are Donut County, Celeste, Tetris Effect, Into the Breach, Hollow Knight, God of War, Deltarune Chapter 1, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Marvel's Spider-Man, Persona 5 slash 3, Dancing in Moon or Starlight, Dead Cells, Red Dead Redemption the Second, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Also, it's worth remembering we're not the fucking Academy Awards. Someone could always bring in something else that they remembered last minute. Yep. Yeah, we're cool with that. Which, which I did. Oh. Um, I just I just want to at least give a shout out to Just Shapes and Beats. What's that? Uh, it's an so indie it's game. a yeah, it's an indie rhythm game uh, on Switch and PC. Huh. Um, it, it's really just dodging. Like it's you're dodging in rhythm to the music, but uh, it's got a really killer electronic chiptunes uh soundtrack so i it's a super late edition but i was like did that come out this year oh oh yeah it did so um shout out to it if if we don't actually get any contention oh and and also we may want to add it on the list or not but uh the american version of the newest taiko drum master game i'll get the exact title here in a second um but that just came out on switch as well and drum and fun drum and yeah. fun Yep, Taiko no Tatsujin and Fun. Basically, any Taiko no Tatsujin game is going to be a cheat in terms of saying it's got great music because both the stuff that's created for it, the game music they get, and all the other weird pop stuff they get and bring in for these games is fantastic. I mean, it's got Jump Up Superstar. so we'll It does have Jump Up Superstar, <laughs> which is also and the Arcadian song. <laughs> it, it has Jump uh, Up Superstar and Getting the Fucking Robot Shinji, so therefore, clearly top three. Yeah. Let's talk about some actual nominees. Um, I think the hardest <laughs> one to push out of this list would be Celeste. I think Celeste is a lot. To push out? Hardest yeah. one? Like, I think that, that, that would, if you're going to look at like stuff to cut, like Celeste would be the most difficult thing to possibly cut. Yeah, that was very why, strong. Why do you think that is, just so we can say for the record? Um, well, this is a game that, quite frankly, is kind of hard as balls. And so you're going to be replaying segments again, 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 again. And the fact that the music is still uh, resonates with you to the point that I have listened to the soundtrack on Spotify, even after failing a level 500 times. Yeah. Uh, I think that speaks really well to the sound of the, of the game. 
it is it's something on my uh heavy rotations when i'm working and wanting a focus playlist i have trying to curate a bunch of video game music because it's good for that obviously not a lot of it has lyrics it's uh melodic and methodical and rhythmic um but yeah this less soundtrack just on a musical level is one of the best video game soundtracks i've heard it's just very memorable lena rain is a composer uh for the main soundtrack i'm not sure about the the b-sides and all that but um yeah just fantastic work i mean the b-sides are also worth mentioning here because that's uh, a bunch of the best of the best of like indie game composers came together to do uh remixes and really original compositions loosely inspired by lena rain's original score and these are the songs that play when you unlock the optional harder versions of the levels you go through so they're nice it's like a nice little dovetailing effect where um the, mu- the levels remixed the music's remixed and there's some really wild and interesting interpretations some are really jazzy some are really ambient synth wave like lo-fi vaporwave stuff some are really intense it's just it's top to bottom phenomenal soundtrack which is something just to add to that before i'm sure we talk about some others is um that's fascinating to me that that game is so so stuff full of music and good quality music that I've only ever listened to just the A sides, just the main soundtrack from Lena Rain. I haven't done any of the optional harder difficulty levels as you said, but I'm sure I would love to hear those songs. But so you you could even just hear the A sides, play the game once through on the normal hard difficulty, if you want to call it that, and experience a fantastic soundtrack. It is hard. It I mean, goes from hard to ridiculous. The B sides are good, but the A sides are still better. Okay. Yeah, I mean the B sides wouldn't exist or be valuable without the A sides. I think the the original score is where this game really stands. I'd like um, to um, mention maybe an unconventional um, choice in the for one of my favorite soundtracks of the year, just low key, and that's um, John Passeano, I believe is his name for Marvel Spider Man, mm-hmm. and I think he actually hasn't done really much. Um, I'm trying to look through his kind of uh, discography, so to speak, for video it's games. A very he actually good superhero did score. Yeah. yeah, he did the Daredevil Netflix yeah. series, The Defenders. Oh, really? He's done a lot of movies that you've heard of, like you know, Maze Runner. But for games, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was actually his kind of debut video game soundtrack. Um, and he did Detroit Become soundtrack Human too. <laughs> no, it was fine. Yeah, it was pretty good, especially after the work from like Sam Wall um, he, from he the first the, Mass Effect. He gets that feeling of playing through a superhero story very well. When you're swimming yeah. through the streets and that score starts rising up, you feel like, oh, yeah. I'm the dude. There are these elements when you drop from, if you haven't played the game, it's Spider-Man, as you jump from a very high um, peak, like a high building, it's very silent, and then the score starts to build. The more speed you catch and the closer you get as you're rapidly descending, and it's just a very evocative orchestral arrangement. It's it's really well done, but kind of in the background. A, a big part of the feel of swinging around and being Spider-Man in that game is how the music comes in and how it's integrated and how dynamic it is. Um Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to mention here, too, for these categories, like when we say best music, it's not just like necessarily what do you want to listen to in your car when you're like going around somewhere or on the train. It's like what it's also worth considering what is like the best use of music or most essential use of music or most, you know, innovative and impactful. Those mm-hmm. are all valid. Too. To, right. To compare that, like I'd say Celeste stands on its own. But uh, the Spider-Man soundtrack works on a technical level, how it's integrated with your actual gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, it's worth noting that God of War has uh, Bear McCreary, who did the Battlestar. He's uh, music. a great composer. Yeah, and he's awesome. It really does a good job of, uh, along with the other elements of that really well-made game, of kind of like keeping the familiar along with like setting like a new tone for the story. Like it's, it still feels, it still sounds like God of War, but yeah, it's very clear. Like, oh, this is a new setting. This is a new story. I think it works great in terms of like pushing that kind of like epic, uh, but like Nordic feeling. Also kind of intimate. Like that's a game that's about the relationship between a man and his son. And the music never feels like bombastic, like God of War used to be. It's more just like epic, but still like there's a, there's more of an urgency to it than there used to be. And I think the score really reflects that well. There certainly are some bombastic (laughs) moments, but when it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention a couple real fast that I don't think are going to hang. Um, Deltarune is... I, I mentioned this in our Slack when we... I, I shared a bunch of stuff from that, but... Um, Toby Fox, in addition to making all his games, also writes and composes all the music for them. And uh, he's a composer who is uh, just really good at finding uh, like melodic motifs and working them into characters and working them into scenarios and then bringing them up in unexpected ways and uh, interesting evolutions and permutations on them. And Deltarune's soundtrack, despite being just the first chapter of a game that's not done, and therefore I doubt will be coming up in our top ten, because frankly I don't think it's ready to come up there, Um, it establishes a sense of place and a a new world within a world that we know from Undertale remarkably well. And the, the maturity of his compositions here, I love the Undertale soundtrack. It spawned countless jazz and metal and rock and piano albums that i think are also really wonderful but delta rune's compositions are just so catchy and so good and if no one has made a better jrpg battle theme in like the last 20 years than the one in delta rune i wouldn't i 20 years disagree no i wouldn't disagree with that i finally played delta rune only an hour and it's of what like up to a three hour experience yeah two to three so i didn't finish it out last year Oh, I mean traditional style, like 16-bit, 8-bit. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's because Sorry, they're not making those anymore. Yeah, they are. Well, There's all the Z-board are. games. There's like a bunch of shit on the Switch that nobody's playing. But the point <laughs> is, like, uh, no, that I is agree the style Nick, that people though. like. Toby Vox making better JRPG themes than 99% of the trash that exists out there. True. It's very true. Yeah. I think if, if Delta Rune does, like, two things great, it's the music and it's the uh, battle system. So, so something I'd like to then switch to for one of my favorite soundtracks of the year was the Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack. Um, and it, starting the game, I actually didn't have this opinion. It took playing through the majority of the story. I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there are epilogues to the main story. So this is me talking about the music that I experienced through the main six acts of the game. Um, so the, the soundtrack is by um, Woody Jackson, who I believe worked on the first Red Dead Redemption, but where the second game surpasses the first, and I kind of talked about this in our group chat, is that the first game, thinking back on it and hearing the music within the last few years when I replayed it, it definitely feels like it's the spaghetti western version of a video game soundtrack, like it's what you would expect a western to sound like in the soundtrack. But Red Dead Redemption 2, though, it has elements of that where... There are some of the whistles and the banjos and things. It is a much more mature soundtrack. It's much more low-key. There are some themes Mm -hmm. that do sound very um, tropey, but uh, just 
it is one of the best like folk soundtracks I've heard in a while where it combines the work of a lot of different artists and the amount of vocal tracks that are in it that aren't just the big set piece vocal tracks. Like if you think of the Jose Gonzalez Far Away song from the first game, there are just general vocal tracks throughout the Mm -hmm. Red Dead uh, experience that really just lend well to the place and the scene setting that they do and the maturity that they try to uh, add to the character of Arthur. So I think it's just a really well done soundtrack it also does a better job of taking that breath of the wild approach where it knows Mm. when to be quiet like a lot of Mm -hmm. open world games it's just like it's constant uh it's so important whereas red Dead redemption like it's you're in the frontier like there's there's a lot of moments where just nothing's going on and it kind of lets you just take in the sounds and i think it's something that we talked about the witcher 3 earlier in our reflections is i think i wish it's something that witcher had done better of just yeah. letting you exist in the space without like other noise interfering with that. I found that was taking me out of Assassin's Creed Odyssey a bit as well, in the quiet exploratory moments when the music would just still be there. It's... Yeah, I, that's the something that Odyssey could have done better. Tracks. I, I did nominate Odyssey. Uh, one of the things that really stuck stuck out about me is that Odyssey brings back the naval component from previous, from Black Flag especially, uh, where you have a ship, you have a crew. And one of the things that was really popular with Black Flag is that you have the sea shanties where you have mm-hmm. your sailors singing to pass the time while you're sailing through this world. And they continue with this. And now you can staff your crew with both men and women. They have uh, sea shanties in both English translations and in the original. Well, it's original. I don't know if the, the songs are original or not. But they have songs in English and in Greek. And they have both male and female songs, which I thought was a really great touch. It really does a good job of putting you in the moment and making you feel like, oh, this is my crew. This is I'm in this moment right now with my mm-hmm. captain of the ship. That's cool. I like that they also give you a trophy for having an all-female crew. Nice. Is <laughs> it like the Power of the Amazons or something like that? It's pretty cool. I would, I would just want to say real fast, looking over this list, that this is one of the best years for game music I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, we haven't even talked about Tetris Effect or Hollow Knight or Donut uh, County, Dead Cells, mm-hmm. um, Donut County. Oh, man. What a good, good little batch of music to really bring that game full circle. Donut County, the post-level music, like when, when you complete a level, that thing slaps. Yeah. <laughs> completely the the, the music was beat. my favorite part of donut county it's a remake, i didn't really like the whole experience but you know it's a remake but i feel like we should give like a lifetime achievement award to katamari Girol because yeah. yeah as far as like game soundtracks go like that's still like one of the all-time best i've got that thing on vinyl and i listen to it probably once every couple <laughs> months like it's it's a good soundtrack and it's so wildly just innovative do i still have that I, I think i still have that on my computer somewhere too <laughs> yeah that's also the case of oh this game came out again this year therefore we can yeah. it's, it's the same as the uh, smash Switch. brothers problems so <laughs> i know we gotta probably we gotta we gotta arrive at a decision here pretty soon so i think maybe we should start nominating things that we think should be locks is that okay yeah cool celeste is a lock it sounds like um mm-hmm. i think that if it were me, I would probably put Delta Rune and Hollow Knight on there as well. Uh, Hollow Knight didn't really stick out to me at all. I think Hollow Knight. It's a very 
well done composition, but I, I guess it's because it feels more atmospheric. Like to me, at least I haven't finished the game, so I could be wrong, but I can't think of, I can't put myself in the place of knowing the music in and out like I did with Celeste, even the first time I heard it. So like the mm. Celeste soundtracks were so distinct that they stuck with me and were memorable. Hollow Knight is very well done, but I feel like it does kind of um, melt into the background a little bit. Not in a bad way, but I it's just not one I think I would listen to frequently. I understand. Like, I, I listen to it a lot. It's part of my work rotation. Um, but two things really stand out to me. One is just that it's a symphonic score that's very richly textured, and it ranges in more genres and more styles and more, like, you know, heavily melodic or heavily atmospheric at the same time. Like, it goes all over the place and does it all phenomenally well, in my opinion. And also, for the record, it's a Souls-like game where every boss has a unique boss battle music. Like, mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Those are all pretty distinct. The Dung Knight oh. music was pretty good. I would really like to push uh, Dead Cells as well, because there are distinctive stages, and the, the music adds a lot to like the, the feeling that you get when you're navigating those stages. And there's mm-hmm. even one stage in particular that I absolutely love where part of your navigation through that stage requires you to flip a switch which uh, awakens a whole bunch of like slumbering enemies and the music completely changes from this very like somber quiet like graveyardy kind of uh, atmosphere to like a very livelier kind of like threatening tone and mm. it does a lot to kind of immediately change your uh, reaction to that oh. level where before you were kind of like slowly encroaching your way through like oh like what's gonna happen you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and then that music changes you're like oh crap like you know that something like with the music changes and the color has changed and so you immediately know like, oh something's about to go real wrong for me here i feel like in terms of dynamic music that's good to note do you think it does a better job of that than spider-man yeah okay uh, late addition to this list, I just thought of because I played it like two hours ago. Is Florence? Uh, that game is mm-hmm. uh, heavily about music and the role of music in this uh, relationship between, between this couple, and uh, just a very effective use of cello when it comes in, what it does, how it how it's percussive, or how it becomes very like legato and smooth depending on like the intensity of the situation, and then eventually when it goes away. Uh, you notice its absence, and that's I think a big part of what that game is uh, conveying. Uh, it's in terms of use of music. I think Florence is in the top three. I don't know if it's a top three soundtrack, but it's going to be very hard to decide on two other <laughs> games here. I think everyone has got very strong opinions of what qualifies. Yeah. Is there um, anything is that there anything... thinks doesn't belong to most of us? Like I, I, I talked about cutting Persona. I talked about cutting Smash. We, we haven't talked about Into the Breach, and I thought you wanted to vote for that one, or you had some thoughts about that, Nick. I do, yeah. Something you want to say um, about that? I don't think it's a top three when I look at this list, so we don't need to talk about it for long. But in terms of music you can listen to over and over and over that really gets you into the mood and mindset of like tactical strategy, but also never gets stale, uh, it's perfect. Like the last mission music is like the perfect last mission music. And now that I've beaten the game like a couple dozen times, like I still, I don't know, it gets you amped up in the right mindset of like, oh, I could actually like lose my entire run right here very well, despite the fact that I did a perfect run up to here. And it's just, mm. uh, each island has distinct themes. It's uh, just great. It's really, really great. Um, but it's also pretty minimal. It's got a bit of anxiety just hearing you say lose your run. 
even if you've done <laughs> well up to there, which is probably why I haven't played the game. <laughs> yeah, you gotta learn how to. You gotta be okay with losing a lot in that game before you start the yeah. game. It's like FTL in that sense, which is another game I had a problem with. Anyway, mm-hmm. well, I like losing sometimes. And FTL also had amazing music. Yeah, it did. Uh, same composer, Ben Prunty, who also did my one of my favorite uh, Celeste B-sides. Mine too. Yeah. Um, I. Yeah, okay, so we'll bump. So Smash Ultimate is like, hey, you like video game music? Because we got all of it. Uh, the remixes are good. The very excellent ones are kind of few and far between. It's a bit of a mixed bag, honestly. Uh, some really good Castlevania remixes, but otherwise I'm cool with just... it's. There's better stuff here. Um, I mean, and that's not to say like, oh, the original Legend of Zelda theme and the original Mario theme, like, are those not the best game music? Well, probably not. But like, th- this is not saying like, oh, you know fuck those games this is just saying smash on its own doesn't bring enough new to the table to really hang no. here no yeah a new soundtrack that even if it seems to be um replicating or referencing old game music which i think uh, is a, what a lot of chip tune if you want to call it that music suffers from like it ev- it evokes the sense of time and place of playing yeah. a 16-bit or 8-bit game but it still should be new and feel like it's doing something different yeah all right we gotta wrap this up um we have a Mizuguchi game on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Tetris Effect. Have you? Has anyone here played Tetris Effect? Yes. Nope. What did you think of the music? That was really fucking good. Yeah. It's all really fucking good start to finish. And you play that thing in VR with surround sound and you're just like gone. I, I haven't played it in VR, unfortunately. Um, I was lucky to have a privilege headset. And when I showed him the game, like 10 minutes later, he went and bought it for his PS4. <laughs> um, it's just... It's it is so Tetris Effect. We'll talk about this in the top ten, maybe. But like, that's like the quintessential Mizuguchi like formula. Like, I, I probably the most perfect distillation of what he does since Res. Like, I love Luminous. I've played all those games, but like this is perfection. And music is what that game lives and breathes. And it's just it gets you in the right. I don't, of course, also it's not just the music. It's how it integrates into everything. How every effect has a sound effect that's different based on the action. It's all timed and synced to the music, so even if it's like a hair off the beat, it'll like time it to the beat. It's um, I don't know. I don't know if it's top three, but I feel like it's a damn good soundtrack. Um, so who next... feels like there's something that needs to be a lock here? Like is Red Celeste. Dead a lock? Is Dead Cells a lock? Celeste, I think. So Celeste is already a lock, I think. Okay. Yeah, we're, oh. at this point, we're just trying to decide on what the other two are. Yeah, I think. And for for me, it would probably be uh, Dead Cells and Mm. I would say probably Odyssey. Mm. Aaron, what what would your other two be? Um, I never got far enough in Dead Cells to say um, much about the music in Odyssey. I really have enjoyed the game just generally, but the music. I, I got what you were saying. I, I can agree with that with the shanties and also just separately the use of like Mediterranean classical Greek um, instruments. They do a good job with that, but I, it doesn't stick with me as much. There are some um, really having... good late game moments too, like what you were talking about with Red Dead about incorporating like original uh, lyric music mm-hmm. later on. So I think that's part of it too is one of my so more one of my other picks would be Red Dead just because now having finished the game and maybe because it's fresh in my mind, the soundtrack does stick with me. Um, 
so it'd probably be Celeste, Red Dead, and um, actually, I would probably give it to Hollow Knight. Uh, God of War, I enjoy the soundtrack, but I don't feel like it really uh, has staying power for me, even though it's well done. It's Bear McCreary. And I know Spencer is on board the Just Shapes and Beats train. I mean, I'm the only person on that train, and I don't feel... I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a barn burner year for music, and I haven't played near enough to um, to weigh in, especially. So, uh, yeah, I don't have a, a real favorite to push for here, other than that one. Yeah, so do I have any? I haven't played enough of what's being recommended by a lot of you guys to say up. Um, I did really, really enjoy, or I'm still enjoying the the orchestral swell of Marvel Spider Man. But then also the charm of Donut County is that's really the only ones I can really push for. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we've got some finalists here. Um, the <laughs> finalists that have nominations are Donut County, Hollow Knight, Delta Rune Chapter One, AC Odyssey, Spider Man, Dead Cells, Red Dead Redemption Two, and Just Shapes and Beats. Uh, Hollow Knight has two votes. I I will stand by that. Yeah, I, it's a fantastic soundtrack. So I don't think it's a bad pick. Um, again, Celeste was just the one that I think is my soundtrack of the year. So what 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 runner-ups go from there? I'm not really contesting. I'd be happy with any of these other ones too. I love Delta Room, but that might just be that I love Toby Fox's music, and that's just a me thing. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's great in Delta Room. From the hour I played, I really enjoyed the music. So I think if I had finished it, I would be more comfortable like effusing praise for that. Mm-hmm. So since, since it's such a short game not finishing it i think i'm not hearing all of the music so yeah and like i mentioned in, in the slack like it's a be- it, it's a game where motifs get layered and come back in unexpected ways and so like the final boss music brings some of those motifs back in interesting ways and so yeah you'll, you'll probably think more of the music by the end which is mm-hmm. yeah it's fine uh i think we move hollow knight up what else do we put up there uh, if, if I'm going to push anything, it's going to be Dead Cells. I don't really have a strong opinion about that. I love the first level music, which makes sense because I've probably died a lot there. Um, I <laughs> made it like, to level 8 or 9, I think. I got pretty far, but I mean, I don't really remember a lot similar to Celeste, where it's a hard game, and when you have a hard game, you need the music to work well with the experience you need it to be something that's not off-putting and you need it to be something that people actually enjoy listening to because otherwise they're either going to turn the sound off or they're going to turn your game off yeah uh i'm okay with that i think that's that's a stronger argument than donut county which is a soundtrack i love to death and like is maybe my favorite thing to listen to on its own but i don't think it adds to the game or the experience of playing it in quite the same way that like dead cells does or frankly how red Dead redemption soundtrack does or how spider-man soundtrack does uh it's just a good ass album that fits the game yeah. also tetris effect is basically luminous but in vr with tetris we've seen them do this <laughs> thing for over a decade yeah i mean it's great mizuguchi games all have great soundtracks it'd be more notable if it wasn't great right yeah exactly yeah yeah uh i think this is probably dead cells or red dead redemption I I really 
I think in the abstract, Red Dead is a great folk album and the original compositions along with the music that they got actual other producers and artists to collaborate on. It's all good stuff um, and it's well used, but I think it's another one of those where it's a great score that fits the world, but I don't think it, it kind of retreads the same ground that the first game did where occasionally there are moments that here is a song, like here's a D'Angelo song when yeah, you're having shout like out a to very D'Angelo song in 2018. Yeah. yeah but like, that, that's that song's also like the worst of the uh, major musical, uh, like interludes in that game. Like if you're talking like, Oh, there's a score or there's an original song like, over this moment, like the D'Angelo song. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not the best use of uh, music in that game. Yeah, that's what I was going to add, is it, having that moment, it retreads the ground that they did with Jose Gonzalez in the first mm-hmm. game, but yeah. has not even close to the same impact. So, you know, I think it's a great uh, soundtrack, but I think it's hard to uh, keep um, in the even runner-up category, just if nobody else has really played that or had a similar feeling about it. So. Yeah. I just I don't think Dead Cells is as good as half the soundtracks on here. I'm okay with it if Tyler feels strongly and if someone else wants to back him up, but I just I'd rather talk about the music from Donut I mean, County really or don't. Tetris Effect it's, or God of yeah, War or Delta Rune or Spider Man. The thing for, for me about Spider Man is just like it's good music and I think it does a good job of making you feel like you're in like a major like superhero story. But I feel like it's more like mimicking the tone and feeling of another kind of storytelling. It doesn't really. Yeah, it's kind of generic in that way. It's very filmic to almost it's, to a fault. It's very good, it, but it is very much a, a it pastiche of that. A lot from those like rainy films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about this? How about Celeste, Hollow Knight, Donut County? I haven't played Donut County, so I don't know what makes that music so special. Like I, I said before, the music was probably my favorite part of the game, which I it was, it was fine. The game was fine, but I this thought is, the music was good. This is maybe also the only place Donut County is going to hang. Yeah. Um, not that that's a reason to vote for it, but uh, Dead Cells is almost certainly on our top ten. Um, and I, I mean, it sounds like nobody's pushing would... for the music there except for Tyler. I would feel better uh, putting Tetris Effect as a runner-up because, again, it's a Mizuguchi game. Those games are yeah music. I would do that. I think that that game is all about how it uses its music and it's expert at it. Um, is everyone cool with Tetris with Effect? Okay. I don't mind. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So the winner for best music, and we got to keep moving, is Celeste with runners-up Hollow Knight and Tetris Effect. Great. Great. Oh boy, this is another stack category. Yeah, this is a stacked category, and Aaron, you nominated this one, it looks like, years ago. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. So uh, we're looking at best art direction, and kind of the original idea behind this was... um, not just the graphics, like which game has the best graphics, which of course is objective, um, but textures, our use of color, style choices, something that as a on a whole, uh, how does the art define the game and which games are notable for their art direction? Um, 
so I'll read the the nominees or the collection of games real quick. We have Return of the Obra Dinn, uh, Hollow Knight, Celeste, Into the Breach, Donut County, Tetris Effect, Nintendo Labo. If you don't know, that's the cardboard uh, construction game essentially for Switch. Um, the Haunted Island of Frog Detective Game, Delta Rune, God of War, Marvel's Spider-Man, Dicey Dungeons, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Florence. Oh, it's worth noting that all of these caddies really are subjective, so... Yeah, all right. of them. I think Oberdin is a lock. I have no problem with that. That, I think, is when I think of like whether or not you like the style, which is separate from the, the uh, discussion, that is the most unique... I think unique... it makes more sense here than it does in tone control, but that's something we'll discuss later. That's yeah, fair. that's coming up. Yeah. But yeah, Oberdin is probably the most unique looking game this year. Like Celeste looks great, but it is a pixel platformer that you've kind of seen before. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's it's got some not great bad, effects, but... but this thing looks wild. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen anything like Oberdin, and I think that. How bears... would you describe the art style to someone who had never seen that game? Like a Macintosh basic, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. It's in like full a DOS 3D. game come to life. Yeah, it's, it's not just like oh, we're mimicking that old style. It's like we're taking that style and we're doing it in a modern game. Yeah, like it's, it's one bit color Celeste, in 3D. Where Celeste is like they said, it's, it's doing that 16-bit style. Where yeah. this is taking an artifact style and kind of like reinterpreting it in a new engine. And, and it's not doing that... it as a as a, a shader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is a 3D engine, and they're doing. Yeah, it's kind of like how uh, some this games... Is, this and... is like hitting minus nostalgia buttons in the way that like pixel style... It's like how Nintendo yeah. photo modes, like uh, Mario Odyssey's photo mode, has that like Game Boy camera filter. Oh, yeah. Right. But like an entire game done that. Yeah, I don't want to presume that this will launch a trend, but it's just, I could... In th- I'm just saying hypothetically, I could see like this type of art style becoming something other developers, even if it's just indies, explore because it is so... Um, evocative it is so well done it feels like it's completely new even though it's cribbing from well, uh, also, a long history it's a detective game and it does a great job of making you focus on details whereas yeah i feel like with a lot of games that require you to investigate things they use the crutch of like the batman detective vision where it's like we have <clears throat> right. to highlight the shit that you're supposed to be looking at because there's just so much you're color. visually Whereas yeah. this game, like they don't feel a need to do that. They don't highlight anything for you because they've simplified it to the point where, like, you can find the details if you just look for them. And it also yeah. creates a purer experience where, like, you know that you you build a trust with the developer that, like, what's in the environment is fair game and it's worth it. Like mm-hmm. everything you look at has a purpose. And the further you get into the game, and the more complex the riddles become to figure out who's who. Um, it becomes clear that this game wouldn't have worked as well at all if it didn't have this very streamlined art design. Like it, it requires this to really work the way it does. I think it's impressive, like how quickly. I don't know if this is the right term, but how quickly you suspend your disbelief of the art style. Like when you start it, I mean, it's fine. It looks cool. It's different. It's mm-hmm. new, and maybe the first clue when the the captain. Um, you're exploring like what happened to the captain, and then you proceed through the game. How quickly you just accept the design and the graphical style and your mind just doesn't even think twice it just processes it as the detective game that it is it just fits really well it works so well even though at first it's maybe a little jarring or because it's so new and so different all right so Oberdin is a lock uh 
looking at like the really high fidelity like AAA games, I don't think Spider Man hangs with God of War and Red Dead Redemption too. I think you're right. I would say on a technical level, like so technical level, Overden is impressive for what um, Lucas Pope did for the design of that game. But on like the AAA technical level, Red Dead Redemption is insane. It is one of the most beautiful games for a platform like a PS4. I'm playing on a Pro, so I benefit from that. Open World Games have been getting better and better at terms of like lighting in terms of. showing you the time of day based on like sunsets and sunrises and the atmosphere like especially like early in the morning or at dusk in red dead is yeah it absolutely nails the feeling of mist in a forest at dawn Mm. and the lighting quality like tyler's saying is just it is one of the most beautiful games i've seen there was a lighting there was a moment when i was chasing after a three-star buck and it ran into (laughs) a, a train tunnel and the transition from going to like the midday, like brightly lit outdoors into like the pitch black train tunnel and then seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and just seeing like the silhouette of the uh, buck running towards the exit of the tunnel. It was just a really impressive moment to me, the way like the lighting was constantly adjusting based on my environment. And it, yeah, yeah, it really like puts you in the moment. It's like, oh, like, I'm in this space right now. Like, I don't want to over, or I, I want to say this because I know it can be overstated what Rockstar does well. And I think we would all agree that even if we haven't liked their games consistently or what they perhaps represent in the industry, like their attention to detail has never been in doubt, right? Yeah. Like there's, the way that yeah. they add detail. If there's to anything their... that Red Dead is unimpeachable, unimpeachable in, it is absolutely is fidelity. It's just like, yeah. So the point with Red Dead is that it is more of that. It is another AAA game that has great graphics when it comes out, but I don't think that shouldn't discount it from even a runner-up status, possibly. Right. I think I'm okay with that. Uh, the little bit I've played, I've seen the small towns and like the muddy roads and. Mm-hmm. the you know the dusty old windows and everything and it's just like it's that whole game has such a devotion to a time period it, that is just it's remarkable. depiction of the american frontier and granted there are some problematic parts of like romanticizing that sort of space sure. but the way it looks like it really just it does that white person thing of like, oh, the outdoors is so magical and majestic, isn't it? Let's go to REI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It sounds to me like Red Settled. Dead is a Move it up. <laughs> yep. Yep. So what's number three? I'm curious, uh, Nick, I'd like to hear you talk about Labo, since I don't think any of us have played it. Oh yeah, in, in looking at this, I'm not sure if it totally hangs, but it does some cool things. Uh, one is that the UI has this incredibly cool, consistent uh, style to it throughout, where like the tutorials are done in like this text message format, and like characters are really wild looking. There's this color palette that's very strong but consistent, and it matches. Um, re- remember, this is a game where most of what you're doing is following directions while you fold cardboard like it's like ikea for people who like cardboard (laughs) uh but the interplay between the visual style of what you're building and the visual style of the game and the way that like it'll unexpectedly breathing bring things to life or explode out like a joy con so you can see all the sensors inside of it and like rotate it and look at it and learn about what it actually does and how it's built it's a very compelling thing and the, the whole product feels very very well considered 
and uh, just very consistent throughout. I don't know if it's the top three here, but I was very impressed because like, this could have just been like, hey, cool, you build shit with cardboard and like it <laughs> plays music, but like they really went the extra mile in making this thing feel very original in its uh, presentation. I'm going to be an asshole and have another late minute ad. Or Hitman 2? Hitman 2. Uh, the spaces that IO creates are really gorgeous to look at. They've uh, improved the UI from Hitman 1, which already had a really yeah. uh, nice and well-designed uh, UI, I thought. And I think in terms of like also like using the art direction to create a distinct uh, feel and distinct sense of place, I think uh, IO does a pretty masterful job of making each of their stages feel very unique and very lived in. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a space whale flow, fly in front of your face while you're playing Tetris? Yes. Okay. I had a flaming I mean, whale fly in front of my face in Metal Gear Solid Five. That, that sounds was, about right. That was a moment. Mm, yeah, that yeah. tracks. That's our category award this year, right? Best use of the flaming whale. I don't know about Tetris Effect winning this. I mean, I, I think Res Infinite honestly did a better job with its art direction in some ways. So let's just not talk about that. But uh i don't know i feel like god of war is not getting talked about much here and i feel like that kind of i took a shitload of god of war pictures like there's some yeah for the game's incredible to look at yeah it has a really good photo mode to highlight its fidelity but i feel like i still appreciate it on the triple a technical level what red dead did over god of war god of war has i think red dead has the advantage of being based on real spaces so we have more of a frame of reference whereas god of war is very distinctly like fantasy settings and so mm-hmm. it can do more with it but because it can do more with it like you might like hold it to a higher standard or more scrutiny kind of like oh well when you can do anything like why don't you show me more whereas red dead is like very much trying to mimic the feeling and look of a very you give it a lot of credit if it gets close yeah to reality yeah. I'm going to make a quick push for Into the Breach. Uh, I think that would be my top three pick. Because um, mm. this is a game where you're playing a very challenging, but very, very refined 8x8 eight eight grid tactical strategy game. And no pixel is wasted. Every piece of art direction is con- carefully considered. You can spot... You know, we talked about silhouettes with Overwatch. You can easily tell out of the corner of your eye, like, is this a mountain? Is this an enemy? Are they frozen? What's the status? Is there, like, a risk coming in? Like, um, I like it's just breach. I want yeah. you to get out of here with Delta Room, though. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think Into the Breach has better art direction than Delta Rune. Yeah. I think Into the Breach is, in terms of, like, economy of communication through visuals is excellent and also just consistently throughout that that game looks like in the breach like it's just a very cool look and it's really mm. nice to look at and I, as someone who spent like over 50 hours looking at that thing the same 8 by 8 grid uh yeah it just is so refined and in, so effective into the I breach mean, gives rather... me uh it gives me a lot of advanced wars and famicom wars mm. sort of uh feelings there which is really good Oh yeah, make another advanced rather, wars, like, coward. <laughs> I'd rather put more of like a into the breach front up. mission vibe, like the SNES mm. era front mission games. Those are two very good games to get vibes of. Yeah, I'd rather recognize into the breach over some of the others that remain, like even Florence or yeah. Spider Man. Like Florence, I we'll talk about for actual game of the year placement. But with Florence, like I did like it, but I just felt like I've seen this game before. It's not, it's not a bad thing, 
but it's like oh this is hand drawn and it's like animated and it's that thing that makes it look like it's artisanal the art, the art so. is not even the top three best things in that game in my opinion yeah. and it's good but yeah. uh, does anybody care about hollow knight enough to i think it looks pretty samey like there's something guys. about hollow knight yeah that just there's, doesn't there's click subtlety with me. in the environments but mm-hmm. they're rich uh, and they have they have depth but yeah it doesn't really i don't think i'll be thinking about the look of hollow knight so much as the music and the structure and the story of hollow knight years to mm-hmm. come yeah the design looks really cool but it doesn't stand out in a top of the year sort of thing sort of way mm-hmm. it's also incredible that two people made that thing like that's nuts yeah but um yeah also like haunted island like frog detective is cute as hell but like it's not it, it's i just more wanted to shout out it looks great and it's dumb and wonderful and i love it so and like spider-man is a really good looking triple a game that nails the feeling of spider-man and some of the suits that you wear, like I would say that that's my shout out for the art direction of Spider-Man is how yeah, they incorporate a... all of the suits across the entire history of Spider-Man. And even oh, though yeah. they change some, they and all look they fantastic. they incorporate them and... into cutscenes and loading screens. Yeah, yeah. the loading it screen like changing based on what you Being able to see my do. Spider-Man in his underpants, like riding the subject, <laughs> it's, it's a nice moment. I only wore, and I know this probably seems boring, but I thought the... Um, the Homecoming, the Marvel movie, mm-hmm. most recent one suit looked the best, so I, that was the one I wore the whole time. But point being, I think the like, Insomniac yeah. original suit. Uh, it also looks really. I good. hate the white. Oh, yeah. I hate the white. It's eh. it stands out though. It stands out really well. Sure. And I will probably, uh, since I I do like God of War, but I don't think it's a top three game because uh, I had some really great realms, but you're there so briefly, you don't mm-hmm. really. Like each realm feels distinct, but they're all just a detour. You're just constantly going back yeah. to the lake. They feel and like a yeah. corridor rather than a whole I level. I don't think God of War does a good job as its predecessor, God of War 3, in terms of the sense of scale. Mm. Like, God of War 3 is fucking amazing in how it makes Kratos feel both extremely powerful but extremely small. At the oh, same yeah. Time. There's, yeah. So, I mean, I haven't finished it, but there's nothing like that moment of climbing Kronos or like any of that spectacle it just mm-hmm. feels very there, there are moments that get close and i granted mm-hmm. i don't think that cory balrog and the uh sony uh was it santa monica studios yep. Mm-hmm. are yep. going for that yeah. vibe like they're no. definitely trying to strike a new tone, tone it down with god yeah. of war god of war um, will get its propers for that too yeah but i don't think that visually it is as impressive as that series has been I, yeah. and somebody and on the whole it will be the game doesn't have those, yeah, but it's better for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did somebody mention Dicey Dungeons before we... I put it on there. I think it's, I don't know, it's more just like I know the artist and I think it looks great, but it's not, it's not, it's no Red Dead Redemption. You know, it's one person working <laughs> sure. with Terry Cavanaugh on an excellent little game, but yeah. Uh, it's How fine. do we feel about having our current of Return of the Oberdin Red Dead Redemption and then Into the Breach? I feel good about that. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, shout out Donut County because that game also looks really cool. It's like it's yeah. It's this is going to be how um, the PlayStation era is remembered. Is this way or not from this type of but in this low way is, is how it's, the 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 low poly is going to come in and it looks really cool. It's a real good look. I'd rather it's have Donut County than Red Dead. PlayStation One games actually looked. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a yeah. nostalgia filter. Spencer, do you I mean, I would rather that. Um, Spencer. No, since since Oberdin's um, locked, um, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen quite enough to, to really have any 
secondary opinions. Okay. Swap into the breach for Donut County? I would be perfectly happy to do that. Or I would, yeah, rent, I would, I, I would I take that. I uh, into the breach, but it's... Um, mm. It does kind of play in some of the same territory. It looks a lot like FTL, out. too. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily super unique or anything. Uh, Donut County looks pretty crazy. So I think Donut County's the third. I'm good with that. Okay. I'd prefer Hitman, but I don't think I'm going to win that fight. I, I don't. Sorry, bud. I know Hitman is. <laughs> I like Hitman and how it looks. I just don't think it looks good enough AAA wise and doesn't do anything else unique enough. They're definitely yeah. a use of scene like Tyler was talking about. Oh, yeah. And total graphical powerhouse because clearly the game is not the same as like and the I'm highest also quality graphics. But... Like the, the UI into art direction here in terms of like yeah. the menu layouts and the navigation and. Yeah, which could have been super really messy. And well done. Yeah. And the um, I was the pre-mission, like the, what you see as a cutscene pre-mission, is really cool graphically done too. If you haven't seen the game yet, mm-hmm. yeah. Like the the graphic style of it gets you into the mood to go merc somebody. <laughs> to, to throw one last wrench to go along with what Tyler's saying, I guess I would say uh, I I skipped 2016 Hitman. I bought. Hitman 2 this year. I played through that and I ended up picking up the game of the year of Hitman 2016 um, levels. And I am very impressed at on a brand level and a brand scale and a consistency scale how IO developed like the plug and play aspect of if you own the licenses for the 2016 levels, they just fit perfectly into the UI for Hitman 2. And now you can just browse all these other levels from 2016 and play those. It's like seamless. It feels like you're adding on to it. I enjoy the Hitman 2 levels. I don't think any of them hit the same visual note for me that the Hokkaido level in Season yeah. hit. Like, that's um, such a exquisitely designed space in terms of, like, visuals and navigation. The and first the first level in New Zealand is really cool in terms of the aesthetic, the but it's house. also very small, the beach house. And, yeah. of course, I'm going to say the Miami level with the racetrack is really cool, but <laughs> that's, that's that a was a, That was a cool level. Dunk. That was fun. All right. Ranford, Duck Bonham. I feel like Hitman 1, I haven't seen much of Hitman 2, but it sounds like Hitman 1 was kind of the high note visually so far. Yeah. Or Hitman 2 is more of that. Well, I I mean. that, but UI improves. Yeah, the the UI improvement, it's it's so simple to say, oh, they just added color in a couple places, but it makes a major difference when you're trying to play the game. Donut County looks like a PS1 game from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the graphics that they put on the cover of the magazine. Yeah. I don't False know, man. Advertising. I, I'd be willing to sacrifice into the breach for Donut County, but I'm not convinced on Hitman too. Yeah, and I don't know. I I don't know if we could. I think Donut County should be up there. I don't know if we could push right. the other things that Hitman Two does over something like Red Dead, just because Red Dead is stunningly beautiful. They have every artist in the world making that game, so <laughs> <laughs> we better at least recognize part well, of that. They're not doing QA. That is. All right, what wins here? <laughs> I mean, I think it's return. I think it's Oberdin. Oberdin was our immediate jump lock, so I think that's probably the the one that can win there. Okay. I would have said uh, Red Dead because I think this is the only category it would definitively take. I I mean, like I don't disagree, but I can't argue it over Return of the Oberdin. I think that's a standout achievement that should be recognized well, in this category. Let me it's a let brave me play game too visually. Let me play Devil's Advocate. Does the art design of Oberdin impact gameplay enough to overcome the fact that it's a simple 3D area and a really, really well-done shader? I mean, I think it was Nick earlier that was saying, like, 
I, I think made the connection between the style and the gameplay and and how the game progresses. I do think I could still enjoy the game without that, but I don't know. This is hard for me to make the argument of if it wasn't designed the way it uh, looks, would I feel any differently about the game? And that's conjecture, but I think it's a complete package as is designed now that should be recognized for that. Whereas Red Dead, like if this would be the alternative possible pick, it is just so amazingly detailed and lush, but it is a continuation of what Rockstar has always done well. And I don't know if that necessarily should just be de facto the winner, even though it's really great. Yeah, it's incredible what they did with Red Dead Redemption 2. But I feel like, again, it's them trying to create photorealism for the sake of photorealism. And Oberdin is trying to do something very new and experimental and opposite direction, really and brave. And it fits the game and the experience so tightly in a way that sure. Red Dead fits that too, but Red Dead could be stylized very easily in different ways and still convey the same experience. I think we have our consensus and that's fine. Uh, Just one last thing about Red Dead though is uh, like it's, it's a game that uses its attention to detail. And in chapter six of that game, uh, Arthur it has uh, tuberculosis and it's it's a terminal diagnosis like you know in that chapter he is the hashtag he, spoiler yeah thanks <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it <laughs> we've discussed before that game of year is a place for spoilers I'm sorry tell me how this relates to our direction he looks like he's he looks dying like shit. okay in every cutscene, in every interaction he has with other people, people are like, "Dude, are you okay?" Because but the you devil's look advocate like side dying. is that they like replaced his huh. texture map, and okay. you know that's not a big deal. No, that's like I, I see what you're saying, Tyler, but I I would also say like replacing I'm, the texture I'm not map with sunken that eyes. This means that deserves eyes. to win. I just wanted to like say one more positive thing about the importance of detail. I'll say one more positive thing. I'm glad he dies. Fuck that guy. Best character. Hey, he's he's actually one of my picks for best character. I know, I'm kidding. I think Arthur Morgan's fine. Um, anyway, moving on. It's okay. Um, so best character, uh, this is, I guess, just best character. Our nominees are um, Madeline slash Badeline from Celeste, BK from Donut County, that's the raccoon, uh, Zote from Hollow Knight, Susie from Deltarune, Cassandra from AC Odyssey, Socrates, I'm assuming this is the Socrates from AC Odyssey, uh, mm-hmm. Mimir from God of War, Atreus, aka Boy from God of War, <laughs> uh, Naguma and Hirose from Yakuza 6, uh, Arthur Morgan from Red Dead, Sadie Adler from Red Dead, and this is a joke, Raxel's card from Deltarune. I don't care. Um, Madeline should win, probably. <laughs> All right, Nick doesn't care. Tyler, you and me. Uh, I think Cassandra should be, if not the top pick, one of the top picks. What do you think? Uh, she's definitely up there as, in terms of, like, if not my favorite, then certainly one of my all-time favorite Assassin's Creed uh, protagonists and characters. Uh, I don't know how different she is from uh, Alexios in terms of, like, the portrayal, because mm-hmm. I didn't play through that, because I'm not going to give that game another fucking hundred hours. <laughs> to, but uh, I think a lot of that has to do with her voice actor's uh, direction. I think that she does a great job of playing that character inhabiting mm-hmm. that role i would uh so i i really i haven't finished odyssey tyler has and i've loved i'm glad i picked cassandra i read an article i think it might have been rock paper shotgun 
or someone that uh, compared the, the nuanced differences between the mm-hmm. uh, performance capture of Alexios's actor and Cassandra's, and they basically came to the conclusion that yes, they're similar, but there are differences enough of the nuance that they are kind of distinct. And Cassandra's performance, at least in the author's opinion, was the superior performance. So I think it's fair to call her out specifically. And I think one of the big differences was she is a Greek actress, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. the Alexios actor is an actor of Greek descent. Mm. I feel, would, it does feel a, a bit difference. more authentic. Yeah. I've only played about five hours of it, but I would say Cassandra is like the first character since Ezio that I felt was really strong. Yeah. And really well done. Yeah. yeah. And it's the first Assassin's Creed with role-playing, and I think that her responses uh, mm-hmm. don't ever put you out of character. You don't ever feel like, oh, there's only one type of Cassandra. Mm. Yeah. Like, you don't and you have feel to really... like, oh, I made the wrong choice here, or I did not play her correctly. Right, because you're not playing your own shepherd, you're playing Cassandra, and yeah. she is kind of pre-baked as a character that way in, in so many ways. Um, but I'm saying her character isn't definitive like you still have that flexibility in terms of like the way you want sure. to react to different situations so I wanna, Cassandra sounds like a lock i think she would be somewhere in there yeah okay uh talk to me about god of war and yakuza <laughs> i'm not i'm not going for god of war or yakuza even though i've enjoyed both but so okay. I'm, I'm assuming doug and tyler yep I'll, I'll go first i haven't talked that much in, in a little bit um, two characters that are not the main character, Nagumo and Hirose. Hirose is the old boss of the Hiroshima-based um, Yakuza group that you you stumble into and find a way with. And Hirose is also played by Beat fucking Takeshi. So, of course, the, <laughs> the performance is going to be amazing. Um, nice. But also the character, he's... He's a badass, he's stoic, he's not super smart, or or he's been very loyal to one guy in the game. and But at the same time, he's an old dude. You first run into him, and he's just lazy as hell, but then also other times... And, and goofs around like there's a there's a cut scene where in the background he's putting a wrestling move like a wrestling hold on somebody while wearing a ski mask. It makes sense in the context. But then you later <laughs> find out that Hidose is also like the darkest badass assassin like Kiryu's adopted dad in the Yakuza games and here's another spoiler is he he gets adopted by this guy because the guy opens an orphanage for the kids of all the people he's murdered and so that's why Kiryu is an orphan at his orphanage so that guy is like the badass of all badass assassins in that Tokyo based um, Yakuza group Hirose is basically the dark terror of Hiroshima keeping this secret secret for 40 plus years. And so it, it does suck to eventually have a boss fight and have him catch a bullet, you know, and, and in Yakuza, because it's in in, in a cutscene, it's a bullet and therefore it's terminal. Mm. <laughs> uh, Nagumo is his like junior commander, his, his younger second in command and comes off at the beginning. Like when you first start the game up, you're in this bar and this guy comes barging in such an asshole and is a douchebag and you're cute to you and if you've played a yakuza game before you know okay this, this you, you just woke the dragon you're gonna get knocked the fuck out <laughs> and that's the first fight of the game and, and the tutorial is knocking nagumo the fuck out but then within a few hours he starts calling you his older brother big brother like looking up to you completely and p- 
eventually pulls the rest of his knuckleheads into line with it. And it doesn't feel earned at first. It feels like, okay, this guy is just kind of bowing down and doesn't... But by the end of the game, it's completely earned. And he may also be kind of a simple guy. The funniest parts are when they take the the Hiroshima guys up to Tokyo and they're just complete com- country hayseeds in the big city. Um, and they have to, like, shit in the city and they couldn't find a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? They're always in the convenience funny. stores. No, they're not. Not always. Um, or that they find out that he's blown all of his money at a couple of the hostess clubs. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but they're both like Nagumo, especially is a lunkhead who has a real redemptive arc by the end of the game because he's got a love interest and she's in trouble and he's willing to be it, the themes of Yakuza six are fathers and sons. And even though Kiryu is not his dad directly, you can see the influences wearing, wearing on to him. Hidose is a bit more tragic, but Nagumo is definitely like he's risen up the ranks pretty well, pretty quickly of beloved Yakuza side characters, like from the whole series. Yeah, he was. He, I haven't finished it, but he's he's definitely a standout character. That, those are good cases. I'm I'm compelled. Um, Tyler. Yes. What about God of War? Okay. Uh, well, the two I nominated from God of War. Are Mimir and Atreus. Uh, Mimir is, in a lot of ways, like he's the Virgil of the story, where he's kind of your uh, entryway into this new mythology. Uh, Kratos has this very black and white mindset where good gods are bad, no matter what. Gods are <laughs> fucking assholes. Fuck them all. I don't want any part of any of this. So Boy. he never even bothers to learn anything about the world around him. Like, as far as he's concerned, the world begins and ends with his family. And since the game starts with him burying his wife, uh, his world is uh, just one of mourning and one of trying to raise and protect his son, which means keeping his son away from the gods. Whereas Mimir uh, also has a very, like, gods are not great people, uh, kind of storytelling, but he also like understands the nuance and the history of this world. So he, you're constantly hearing exposition from Amir explaining like the world around you, and his interactions with uh, Atreus especially are very interesting because he's kind of balancing uh, this act of like he wants to give Atreus information because he thinks it's important and Atreus is curious, but also he doesn't want to overstep because it's not his kid and. Kratos obviously doesn't wanting doesn't want Atreus to have a strong involvement in this world. So he does a great job of being a character, but also being a constant lore dump and doing it in an entertaining way that makes you uh, very interested in the history of this world and your space in it. Whereas Atreus is a very focal point of the story, and he also kind of provokes that exposition and that. He doesn't know anything about this world, but unlike his father, he actually wants to know more about this world. So he's mm-hmm. constantly trying to figure out, like, what's been going on here? Like, what's the story here? Why are we doing these things? Yeah. Why aren't we doing these other things? Like, he has the, these, this influence from his mother, who you only find out about through illusions. You don't actually ever get to see her. You don't get to read anything that's ever been, like, written by her. You just hear about her, stories about her from uh, Atreus, from uh, Kratos, and from other characters in the world. But you also uh, see uh, his uh, his influence from Kratos, or rather, 
the absence of Kratos's influence on him. And I think, I don't know if it's like halfway or like two thirds of the way through the story. You, uh, I mean, it's implied that Atreus is also a god because he's the son of Kratos, who himself is a demigod. Uh, and once Atreus uh, learns this fact, uh, there's a really great heel turn that he becomes a shitty kid because it basically like a kid on uh, our world finding out like, oh fuck, I'm rich, I can do whatever Bye. I want because I'm rich and rich people can do whatever they want. Even though his mom raised him to be better than that, she's not around anymore. And he's been seeing his dad kind of like, even though he's constantly shit-talking gods, his dad's always like, oh, well, I can do this because I'm strong enough. So he interprets that power as kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And so Kratos realizing, like, oh, what have I unleashed upon this world? What have I done? And then having to walk that back and so like watching atreus go from like that innocent boy to that shitty teenager to that kind of more reflective person that he's hopefully going to become in the sequel or more becoming the sequel it's very interesting because you find out later on like his actual name is loki like he is loki of uh, nordic myth so his place in the nordic uh, mythology is pretty much set unlike kratos who was an original character so it's going to be very interesting in the future game guys, to see how his story continues to unfold or like what development they'll continue to give atreus so there you go nick now you know the story you don't have to finish it <laughs> i uh i took out my headphones for a moment there um i but what i heard i feel like atreus probably has a really strong case here so Atreus is a great, I will add briefly, Atreus is a great foil for forced self-introspection by Kratos, and that's something that the series had never really had. And Mimir is the best, like, is a really smart way to make a codex interesting in the okay. game, instead of just being like, here's a fucking menu with 20 encyclopedia entries to read if you really want to. Okay. So, But I think Atreus of those two would be the stronger pick. Okay. I also feel like we need to wrap this up pretty soon. We got a bunch more to go through. Yeah. Um, what did we um, I'll just make a quick case on for Red Dead. Um, I think as far as Arthur goes, he does have a redemptive arc per the name of the game, and I don't know if that is based off of me playing as an honorable version of Arthur through the end, um, but I think that the performance... So there's, since now you know, there's one scene um, late in the game when you rescue a, uh, a colonel, uh, that was helping the native tribe and he basically has been accused of treason by the uh, general and so on and so forth you help him escape put him on a train and after you get this guy on the train there's a sister a catholic nun who is waiting for a train to go to mexico and you met her earlier in the game helping her out in saint denis which is kind of like the you know new orleans of the map and so you're talking to her and you tell her, well, you know, I've got TB and she's like, okay. And so they're kind of talking about like the impact you've left and your life. And there's just this moment that kind of like at this point in the story, you're building up to Arthur is getting tired of what Dutch is doing in the gang and all the shit that they're pulling. And he's just over it. Of course, because he's dying, he figures, like, why shouldn't I try to do good with what's left in my time? 
on this earth. And then he just has this moment when he's talking to the sister, like he says, I'm scared. It's like the first time there's ever been this kind of self awareness of his character that just like actually kind of made me briefly emotional in this stupid game about, you know, riding horses and shooting people with a really bad shooting mechanic (laughs) that the performance was just really well done. And the character was really well written up to that point to allow that moment of that emotional connection to the character. When you hear him say he's scared of dying, you actually believe it. And I think that was just, Arthur is a very complex character and it's very hard to write a character like that, that has a morality thing and is a single protagonist. You're not role playing. You're not an avatar. You are Arthur. But I think that Rockstar did a really good job of leading him toward the final acts of having a redemptive arc. Mm. So I think that that just bears mentioning. And then Sadie Adler, she's a great character, but I think I like her because she's such like, she starts as the victim in the opening, the cabin, her husband's killed by the rival gang. But by the end of it, she's like this badass killer too. So while she's great, I think she's kind of just mentioned because she becomes such the like bloodthirsty version that Arthur used to be, but I don't know if she is a better epilogue. character. She's very heavily featured in the blog. Oh, okay. Okay. So. And what really made Arthur for me was uh, the man you contracted TB from was a sick man that uh, had debts to your gang, and you had to go and collect those debts, and you collect them in a very threatening and aggressive manner, and you put his family in extremely difficult situations because of that debt. And you do so without much remorse because, well, that's kind of like what your gang needs. Your gang needs money. One of the ways that you get money is debt collection. And it isn't until later, like long after this man has already passed away because of his tuberculosis, that you see uh, the, the wife is now a prostitute and the son is working in the coal mines to try to get money both to support themselves and to pay back this debt. And when you're sent uh, again to go and collect this debt, uh, this is after Arthur knows that he's TB, he has TB, he is, knows that he's dying. Uh, there is still role playing. Like you still have the choice of whether or not to collect this money or not. And uh, based on your previous interactions with them and based on how you're role playing this character now, you can have Arthur kind of reflect on like his behavior and be like, you know what? Like it's not fucking worth it anymore. And you can have him actually go out of his way to help them get on their feet again. And she's resistant because she thinks you ruined her life. But the son is thankful because you're finally helping them get out of this terrible situation that they found themselves in. But Arthur is, he knows that he's just doing this because it's the right thing to do. He tells them, like, don't don't thank me. Like, he knows that what he did to them. But he's like, I'm just doing this now because it's what needs to be done. It's not because yeah. I'm trying the, to save myself. There's no saving myself. I've already sinned. The early game machismo that might have turned, like, I'm not sure if, with what you saw, Nick, if you felt that, the early game machismo and just the, the troping aspects of Arthur's character at the start of the game, they wash away pretty quickly throughout, well, not quickly, but throughout the game, and then by the end, I think it really sells the character. Okay. So. That, that game, unfortunately, has six chapters <laughs> and hundreds of hours to yeah. tell a story that only needed three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can, you've convinced me on the character, at least. Um, I feel like maybe there's a good case for Arthur... Uh, maybe Cassandra, and then maybe, oh shit, Nagumo or Atreus? 
anybody do you want to mention Madeline? I think Madeline and Madeline are like. I think that that was huge. also another great character. I mean, I would see them in the top three personally. I just don't know if anyone else feels like that was such a good, important thing because, like you know, they're two sides of the same person, right? And that's very hmm. deeply interwoven into the arc of Celeste, uh, without ruining the last couple levels. But um, the game is about confronting your inner demons and to and realizing, like, you know, the parts of you you don't like are still parts of you. And what's more important is learning how to accept and deal with that than just trying to bury them. And I never felt so, much like Madeline was a distinct character. Like I felt like the game was more talking to me directly, and my interactions with Madeline were like more just like the human uh, element of trying to overcome your own depression or deal with your own depression. Hmm. So you're saying Every, that everyone has that feeling of an internal voice saying you can't do this. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. So the game is about believing in yourself and making the time, making the mental energy to overcome those feelings and to keep pushing on despite your feelings of insecurity and anxiety. Yeah. So at the end but of Celeste... it wasn't Celeste's... about Madeline's character. It was about my own personal yeah. uh, strength of will. I guess the joke I'm going to make is that at the end of Celeste, Madeline gets a persona. That's how you unlock uh, it for her? It's more like Madeline and Madeline realize they're part of the same whole. But yeah, but that's how you earn the personas early on for <laughs> each of the characters, right? Sure. I'm trying to make a bad joke on that. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> You're being taken seriously, Doug. Yeah. It was a nice try. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think that... I think Celeste will get honored in many ways. Mm. Uh, and I think, but I think that that duality between Madeline and Madeline, that is the story of Celeste. It is Madeline struggles to overcome her own doubts and fears and anxieties and depression and all these mm. things. And the game reflects that marvelously. And you have this dichotomy of this rival who originally tries to kill you. And then mm-hmm. like towards the end becomes like your partner. And it's, mm-hmm. it's this really wonderful transformation. Mm. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there in the interest of time. I'm going to say Arthur's my top pick followed by Cassandra and Atreus. I'll take that. But I'm just trying to stoke conversation. Me too. I want to get this going. Doug and Spencer, any feelings in your way? Have you played any of the games? <laughs> Unfortunately, none on this list. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by the father-son dynamic in God of War, and I think that's... I don't know, a little more compelling um, than anything else I've ever heard. Not many Otherwise, games do children convincingly. Yeah. And, yeah. Like Walking Dead. Like, that is a big deal. And Atreus I, seems like also, a better person than Kratos, and that's a really interesting thing to do with a series like that. But he's a better yeah. person, and they still let him have that shitty turn. They still let him be that shitty kid. Like anyone probably would if they learned they had god powers. Yeah. Right, so, so I find that pretty intriguing, and I don't know that that weighs especially hard. I don't feel like I should like there's there's at least some other things I can vote on uh, in the other categories. Yeah. This one I got nothing. So and I want to leave I, time I for that. Find that but Doug, yeah. uh, what are you thinking? Based on what I've heard, the only thing I would switch. So I think I would propose Nagamo because a lot of Hirose is tell and. Nagamo is you see the arc happen much more throughout the whole game so it's a bit more shown and it's a, I think it works a bit better in that regard um, 
I, I would be fine uh, keeping Arthur, keeping Atreus, and subbing out Cassandra for now. That's what I was going to suggest. Though I love Cassandra as a character, I don't yeah. think she has a huge... She's less defined. Arc. Yeah. I think Cassandra's noteworthy because they let... A, or they've written a woman to be equal to a man in terms of the writing and her delivery. I've, I've seen a couple of the details of how Cassandra... And She's noteworthy really in the way that Femme Shep was noteworthy. Yeah, a better Femme Shep almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So the, the bigger question is who's the winner? Because I would say it's either Atreus or uh, Arthur Morgan. I will abstain I think, from this. I think with Atreus, I, what he represents and the overall dynamic of the game is really stand out. But as an individual character, I don't think he's my favorite character of the year. That probably would be Arthur just from this list like from what we've narrowed down but atreus is an interesting character and what he does and the dynamic he does uh cause for kratos in his introspection is interesting but they're kind of two halves of the same coin in that way and the, the whole narrative is contingent upon how they react with each other so separating them into which character is better than the other like I mean, I, you could make the argument, but that's why I think it's a little hard to just put him as the best character of the year. Based on what I've heard, I think I'm leaning towards Arthur Morgan winning this, which I never thought I'd say. <laughs> he is he is the best. Well, I don't want to say I'm going to say the best from what I remember because I never finished Bully, and you know, I, like I played Max Payne three and I played the other games, but he, he is a, I think yeah. the most mature rock star character arc that they've written. He does a better job of giving meaning to the title Red Dead Redemption than yeah. uh, John Marston did in Red Dead Redemption One. That makes Which me really happy to hear that the Redemption is actually a theme in Red Dead Redemption Two. Like it's... one of the last missions is actually just Red Dead Redemption is the name oh, of good. the mission. Nice. God, I okay. wish I liked playing that game because it sounds so good. <laughs> I wish just... you could fast forward to Chapter Six. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish there was a way to skip over so much of the bullshit. Yeah, well, because this isn't chapter six is that good. Um, all right, we have a winner. It's Arthur Morgan with Atreus and Nagamo as runners up. We have six categories to go through <laughs> real fast here. <laughs> uh, I knew these first ones would take a long time, uh, and this may actually bleed over into our game of the year stuff, but we'll try and get through it fast. Mm-hmm. This next one is best moment. The thing that stood out, or the thing you'll remember for a long time after this whole process is said and done. The nominees are There's a lot. <laughs> Finding out you got three fates correct, which is the kind of progression mechanic and return of the Oberdim. Staring at insurmountable odds in an Into the Breach game and realizing 20 minutes later that you can actually win the thing, Into the Breach. The finale of the missing J.J. Macfield in the Island of Memories. The final battle and ending of Marvel Spider-Man. The Stan Lee cameo in Spider-Man. Texting MJ in Spider-Man. Going home in Delta Rune. Spending every last penny that motherfucker Jeff Bezos has, and you are Jeff Bezos. Yes. <laughs> the Blades of Chaos and God of War. Is this Testicles? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and AC it's Odyssey. Great. Uh, meeting Cassandra and AC Odyssey is good. The bad ending of AC Odyssey. Finding out who's Haruto's father in Yakuza 6. The secret of Onomichi in Yakuza 6. Uh, the Aberdeen Pig Farm in Red Dead. Arthur and Lenny's Night Out in Red Dead, the Vanderlind gang singing Cielito Lindo, the IIAI song around the campfire celebrating Jack's return in Red Dead Redemption 2. Lot of nominees for like four games. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll talk about JJ Macfield because no one's going to talk about that. Okay. Oh, okay. 
JJ Macfield, The Missing, is a game where you are, it's about accepting yourself, and it, which is a theme in 2018 games. Uh, <laughs> and I, I need to spoil the game and the ending to make this make sense. So apologies in advance, but. Uh, in the missing throughout the game you're playing as this woman jj and um you're chasing after your girlfriend and um you're in like this kind of bizarre twin peaks alternate reality like black Ro- black lodge kind of scenario where everything is fucked up at the very end of the game uh throughout the game actually you're hearing recurring there's this moose that shows up in a lab coat and will say like you know medical terms at you at the very end of the game it kind of dawns on you that oh like JJ is dying and this is like hallucinations in like as you're losing blood and when you wake up at the very end of the game you realize that JJ is in a male presenting body and had attempted suicide uh, because of rejection from uh, from his uh, or from their mother over um, being a trans person and um, you're playing the whole game in this idealized kind of dream world as uh as a woman as as jj is a woman and um there's this kind of real moment of realization where you realize all the twisted shit you do all the body mutilation all the moments of anguish and pain and feeling like you know you you just sacrifice yourself in these brutal ways to get through these puzzles to try and find the person you love it all kind of comes full circle and also that and then like in real life that person runs up to you and like you have this moment of reconciliation of like um i don't know it's not perfectly well executed but in terms of games just tackling trans identity and issues head-on it's pretty brave and uh that was the one part in that game that really worked for me i thought it was really powerful that immediately sounds like a top three contender for me especially for something of mm-hmm. that degree of nuance coming from sweary too yeah <laughs> yeah that's i was gonna say like wait this is the this is the sweary game yeah this is a sweary <laughs> game y'all <laughs> well uh, it's sweary it's has really... Swery has done a story or two in the past, I'll tell you what. And I will tell you, this is the only place this game will ever... It's a, not a fun game to play, for the most part, unfortunately. But, Aww. man, it has a message, and it pushes it really well at the end. Okay. I can buy that. Um, I feel like some of the, the weaker options on here, like the Stanley cameo, is really sweet. Especially yeah. post-mortem. But... Yeah. I, I, I don't it's not the best moment in Spider-Man. Yeah. It, it's, it's, nice, moment, but... it's nice that they put the Marvel movie Stanley cameo into a game. Like, that's kind of a fun wink and nod. And the context of it, too. Like, MJ and, and Peter, like, kind of starting to reconcile a bit. And Stanley being like, I always liked you two best, like, together. <laughs> it's a really, it's a sweet thing. Oh, that's a meta commentary on all the comics, too. Oh, it totally is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite. Yeah. Um, um, I I don't even think the ending is the best part of Spider Man. Oh man, like the death of his hero—not actual death, but like metaphorical death of his hero—was real powerful for me. Yeah, but in terms of like what Spider Man does well, which is taking this super powered persona and giving him like fucking mortal problems, like the anxiety of texting your ex oh that was so good yeah that was a standout moment for just relatability really powerful performance by uh the voice actor yuri lowenthal Mm -hmm. who's Mm -hmm. a like long-term like staple of like video game voice actors but i've never seen him do a performance like this before like that was just like ah the the cringeworthiness and anxiety like i felt that even though it wasn't a gameplay moment just like I've been yeah. inhabiting Spider-Man for long enough that like 
I was in that moment. Yeah, talk about 2018 relatability. Jesus. <laughs> what a, yeah, that's a phenomenal and understated moment in a game full of very good moments. It's excellent. Um, yeah, I think that, that that was actually a really strong moment that sticks out that also got a lot of coverage separate from the game. So I think that there's a lot of people that also recognize yeah. that moment as being noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just go through the Red Dead ones that I think I put all these down real quick. Um, like the... Uh, Tyler will know because he mentioned it to me in chat separately before the night out with Lenny. It's earlier in the game with Arthur in the first town you're in. Like it's just a really well done, but it's a cut scene. Uh, mostly you play through some of it of just being drunk off your ass and debaucherous, and like Arthur is yelling Lenny. And the uh, if you have subtitles on the uh, when he says Lenny, the text keeps changing and misspelling his name like Lenny <laughs> Lano. <laughs> it's just. Like, it does but a they're really drunk. great job of um, mimicking the feeling of having a fun, yeah. drunk night out with your friends. Does it do it music. better than GTA 4 did it? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. The the music, the like distorted camera angles, the blurring, you like take breaks outside where you're like laughing and then crying and then like you're peeing. And uh, <laughs> just so it's a really good like right. drunk In moment first person, and it stands you get to out see pretty your well. Yeah. <laughs> Always Which I important. put down actually in the Norma's Rita's category yeah, is the first Postal Two Memorial Award for best peeing in first person in the game. <laughs> my my favorite moment from that sequence though was when you walk into the bar and you're looking for Lenny, and suddenly everyone looks like Lenny. Is Lenny? Yeah. <laughs> so that that feeling of like, where's my friend? Now my friend's around here somewhere. Yeah. Like, the voice, the good. the act, the acting from uh, Arthur's uh, voice actor, which I don't, I don't know his name. I didn't write it down. Um, it's just yeah, like you're my friend, Lenny, and it's just so that was that was a pretty standout. It was more funny than anything. Um, the Aberdeen pig farm I just wrote down because that was one of the first kind of um, separate. Um, um, non-mission related um, kind of side story things. Like you just have to like right. stumble upon it. There's no yeah question mark. There's no um, icon showing you anything about where it is. And so you just show up at this old dilapidated farm and you're greeted by this like morbidly obese gentleman in overalls and you kind of get that like deliverance um, backwoods vibe. And he invites you in for dinner, and I think you can choose to stay or not. Um, anyway, you go in Definitely and you start. Can. Yeah, so like you choose to stay, and uh, it, what you what you believe like his his wife or whomever. There's this woman there. She starts like serving you a drink, and like oh they're making dinner, and it's just this old gross house that they're in, just falling apart and moldy and rotten. And, and so going back to the fidelity thing about Red Dead. Uh, watching Arthur's facial expressions change throughout the scene as he's understanding slow realization that sounds all right yeah so you like have a drink and then of course as you might expect like he starts to get woozy and he's like well what's happening and then it basically the the succession of events is it becomes pretty clear that they are ancestral brother and sister and and Arthur like his realization when he realizes our brother and sister like Tyler said his facial expression is just like what the fuck his, <laughs> like, his eyes are like darting back between the two of them like looking at him looking at her looking at him looking at her and you're like oh god and so that you pass out and then they basically dump your body in a ditch outside which I believe is where their mother's body was too right 
like uh, in the same grave site. So anyway, you get up and then you Jesus. go back in there to kill them and get your stuff back. It was just like one of the first. It's not like I think you stepped away, Nick, but it's not a question mark. It's not a quest icon on the map. You just show up there and this whole thing happens. Oh, okay. So it's kind of one of those buried um, narrative things that was just really a cool and weird fucked up and funny moment. Sounds like that X-Files episode that I hate so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's a great that X-Files bed. episode. I mean, it's really good, but God. Oh, it's so disturbing. Hard to watch. All right. Yeah. Um, I feel like we got some great nominees here. Is there anything that hasn't been mentioned that needs to be mentioned? I can explain the Yakuza ones quickly, too, as always. All right. Um, the <laughs> the driving impetus of the first part of the game is finding out who the father of your adopted or QDU's adopted daughter's little baby is because she gets smacked by a car, and so of course she's in a coma. Yeah, go figure. But <laughs> so the, anime, anime, <laughs> uh, no J drama. Um, mm. But it's not necessarily who the father is is the reveal is is interesting, but the the scene how they do it, and also the the father his friends going immediately like you did you and and also like one of them literally saying you didn't use a fucking condom <laughs> is and and then eventually cue to you like throwing him through a door is <laughs> natural yeah this is what it, is four verbs <laughs> That seems well, kind of tame for Cutie. Like, just, just a door. That's that's all. It's also like the most father-like that the that that is what Cutie as protective dad with you know boyfriend would do is you're gonna get thrown through the door at least once. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a fun reveal. I think it's it's okay. fun and interesting in how it does it. it. If of course you can tell right away because oh this person has a plot armor and B is a very high end like. This is a famous voice actor. I wonder why he's playing a third-ranked goon. Oh, that's why. Um, and the other one... By the way, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned Onomichi, because I fucking laughed so hard at this part of the game. Okay, I was, I was worried about spoiling you on this, but I can we can talk about this. So, the other, the main overarching impetus of the game is you're trying to fig- then get things unwound and get yourself untangled from a bad situation, and it revolves this big secret in this small town. And it turns out they have been keeping in a hidden, like, underground lair dry dock a perfect, like, working World War II era warship that was supposed to be not decommissioned, but is still in there. And the greatest thing is that this is, like, the existence of this warship as this political symbol is so heavy that it's apparently given this gangster in in Hiroshima the political leverage to keep the money taps going for 40 years like this guy in Hiroshima has had this thing down there like they they were talking about like why is this yakuza group never tried to expand oh this is why because they have all the political capital they need to keep themselves going just by having this this secret military piece of hardware in there it doesn't resonate as much to people who don't understand, but like the loss of face to having this piece of World War II history there, it it would resonate with Japanese players, I think. And also the fact that, oh, of course, this is how this guy's got it is he's got this one chip <laughs> and it's hanging over all of these guys in Tokyo's heads. Like, yeah, of course, that's that that plays a bit more. But a lot of the uh, American and Western players, the game like that's it. That's fucking it. Mm. It was just, yeah, it was hilarious to me because it felt like so Japanese, like Yakuza drama thing. But yeah, the nuance, like you're saying, I only picked up on that barely. 
but well, that's cool. Um, um, no one has mentioned, and I'm gonna try not to spoil God of War for myself selfishly, but is the Blades of Chaos the top three moment here? It, I saw it, but like I saw it coming. Like there was no way they were not gonna put the Blades of Chaos in the game. So yeah. I feel like getting them had way less impact than I might have thought that they would have. Okay. So I, I don't know. I but it was a cool too, moment. But I thought contextually it worked really well. Okay. Yeah, it was it was still a cool moment. You're like, oh shit, Kratos is back, but. Yeah. And also the fact that, like, it completely changes your play style. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The, the axe is so minimal. The whole game you've just been minimal. doing the, the axe, yeah. And like, now suddenly you get to, like, really go ham with the OG equipment. Do they come into but play very, at the very end of the game, or? No, no story details, but... It's, I, you don't have to use them, and the thing is, they're they're under leveled once you get them because you've been raising the level of the axe the whole oh, time. Oh, sure. so You actually have to put resources into raising the blades of chaos more, so gotcha. you might even just choose not to use them. And also, so that there, part's cool. There are cool. specific enemy types that require you to use them because yeah, like, elemental weaknesses. So is it's it reductive like a... to say that the entire plot of the God of War series is daddy issues? The game? Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> sounds about right. Okay. I think you could say that about a lot of Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, what's the? Uh, what are our top three moments here? I think uh, you made a great can case I, can for... Can I just rush Uh-oh. through Odyssey? Real, real fast, quickly. yeah. We're, we're I, but really I don't, behind. Don't spend any... Uh, don't spoil any of the ending, just in case I get the bad ending. Because I don't... Like, unless well, it is that how do amazing. I talk about the ending without spoiling the ending? Aaron, you can unplug. I'll listen for you. Okay. Bye! Uh, testicles. It's a joke. Uh, he's supposed huh. to be like this, like Herculean, like Olympian, and you're supposed to get him to the Olympics so he can win. But he's a drunk lech, and uh, when you avoid his advances, he falls into the waters and is eaten by sharks. So you have to fight in his place. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, his name's Testicles. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> meeting Cassandra. I didn't nominate that. It's a nice introduction to her character. It's all right. She's kind of like no nonsense lady. Uh, the bad ending. Uh, so the good ending of this fucking video game <laughs> is you redeeming your brother who's been murdering his way across Greece with the cult of Cosmos, who's like the proto-Templars. Ew. And he's been like this cartoonish bad guy for the entire game. And so for them to think like, oh, you can somehow bring him around to the side of good. It's some Star Warsy bullshit. And a game is called fucking Odyssey. It takes place in Greece. Like it's supposed to be a Greek tragedy. So the bad ending is like, oops, you failed to redeem him. And the thing is, like, because Cassandra is like so hell bent on re- reuniting her family, it's like, oh, like I can finally have a chance to have this like perfect, quote unquote, like nuclear family that I've always meant to have. And it's that trust that puts her in this moment of weakness where she actually thinks like, oh, I can, I can do it. I can bring him over. And then he fucking stabs your mom. He's like, fuck you. I am who I am. I I make my choices. The cult didn't make them for me. So he kills your mom, forcing you to kill him. So then you're stuck there with uh, your dead mom, your dead brother, and you return home to your stepfather, who's a shitty Spartan general that threw you, like, literally off a cliff. Yeah. Who you can choose to spare or not, and I chose to spare him. And also your stepbrother who was adopted by your father after you were thrown off the cliff, who resents you because you accomplished the things that he could not. So you're just sitting there at like the world's most awkward quote unquote family dinner with these two people, neither of whom like you very much. 
and you're just like so this is what family is like that's great if that had been the canonical ending that would have been perfect and it should have been the canonical ending wow damn so that's perfect yeah yeah i thought that fits the tone of the story they were trying to tell this is a greek tragedy this is like i wanted everything to turn out great like you were setting me up for this like a happy ending and then it's like oops no life sucks yep that's that's greek tragedy yep that i yeah i don't know how to weigh the fact that it's not the intended ending though or is it intended as an ending like is it meant to be like oh go back and do it right or no because the from what i understand the steps to get that good ending are so obnoxious Mm. that you have to follow a wiki to get it like i can't imagine just stumbling into the good ending okay i i think i would consider it then for a top three that sounds actually quite interesting yeah that's great i as someone who wrote a lot of greek tragedies in high school and college that's like uh... i'm so glad that that is the ending that i got because (laughs) when i saw what the good ending was i was like that's fucked because it's just her sitting down for like this happy family dinner mom's alive brother's alive uh dad and stepbrother at the table everyone's like oh i'm so glad we're reunited but like he's a fucking asshole he killed people like he's i mean not a good cassandra person. i assume has killed thousands of people <laughs> yeah yeah like, as every uh video game protagonist does okay I'm, except I, for undertale i'm gonna make some notes here i would say that texting mj and the bad ending of ac odyssey sound like the two others here What else you got? I would almost put forth that finally untangling into the breach, possibly. I mean, that's my favorite moment. <laughs> uh, that's that's a really good moment. It doesn't seem like... Honestly, the fucking uh, sweary game sounds way wilder to me. But uh, I would put into the breach as a runner-up, definitely. And it's definitely one of my uh, top ones for the year yeah i mean uh, i i interpret moment as kind of like the merging of story and gameplay and like it's it's great having that feeling in into the breach but i i don't feel like it's a top moment for me i think that is the story though it's like you're facing insurmountable odds and like when you finally crack it and you realize oh wait we're actually gonna win this one um it's a really that is that is the arc of the game happening right there. But, but that feeling for me isn't any different than any other hard as nails game that I finally succeed in. That feeling of mm. relief. It's like, oh, I finally. I did mean, it. even with the whole multiple timelines thing, the notion of like you know you send people back to other timelines to try and save those as well, and like you win some, you lose some. Like I feel like that's you know, it's got that edge of tomorrow thing going for it that I think yeah. is really well done, and sets it mm. apart for me. We also aren't talking about spending every last penny motherfucking Jeff Bezos has. Oh god, that was cathartic as fuck. Like, I love that whole game, that whole experience, but I don't feel like it's distilled down to a moment no. other than the first moment of just like, yeah, I'm gonna spend uh, fifty billion to fix P- Puerto Rico or something. Yeah. Like, it's the a, first moment was the best. It's yeah, a good joke. I mean, yeah. it, it also contextualizes just how much fucking money this one man has and how right. deplorable that whole concept is, but. Even though, as the developer I mean, notes at the end, like the numbers are completely false and they're just you know, like made up on the spot, I'm sure they're within the reason, yeah. within the realm of like clo- pretty close to reality. It's he feasible. could do a lot of those things. Plus or minus a decimal point, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
um, where, where millions are rounding errors. Uh, I felt like a genius <laughs> whenever I got three fates correct in Oberden and felt like an idiot the rest of the time. Yeah, I the first time was pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the missing finale is up there for me. I don't know if it's number one. Um, I get what Tyler's saying about Into the Breach. I'm not sure that needs to be in the top three. Um, I, think I feel the like Touching MJ so, might be the one. It's so authentic, and it's yeah. so it humanizes Peter in such a way. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, I think it's a good. It's a, it'll be it's a moment that, like I said, a lot of people already and other other people had uh, singled out as a definable moment yeah. from the game. Yeah. So what's our yeah, third? and Arthur Morgan won best uh, voice actor at the Game of the Awards. Like I don't think that I don't think critical consensus needs to be a determining factor in how we choose. No, I use that as a, a measure of like, oh, we're not crazy to think that that is a notable moment but it's not defining like oh we we can or can't choose it because of that yeah so what's it gonna be i like the night out that sounds that just sounds good and it was really good (laughs) that sounds fun it stands out to me because it isn't just a cutscene yeah it's very playable and Maybe because they make those changes, then you know the, the the character design changes, all that type of stuff. Just <laughs> like that sounds authentic yeah. for for getting just fucking hammered. I would also ask if the bad ending is the highlight for you, Tyler, of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, or if there, or if there are other moments that you think of. Too. I wouldn't say it's a highlight, but I think it's it was validation for how long that story takes to unravel. It was like I got that ending. I was like, okay, you guys had something to say about this. And similarly to what you were saying, Nick, about like, I hope that's like not like the unintentional ending. Because when I saw the good ending, I was like, what? No, I don't accept that. Yeah. Okay, we got to make we got to move on. I was just going to say, that's how I felt about Life is Strange. Like, I Aww. picked the Chloe ending, not the city ending. And I felt like... Of course. Yeah, because that's a that way time. better dramatic and thematically relevant payoff for that game. Arcadia, Oregon sucks. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> it's going to get wiped out in an earthquake anyway. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I abstain unless I need to break a vote. I'm fine with whatever you guys pick for this. I'd say the night out sounds great. Oh, the three up that we have up there are great, too. I want to keep texting MJ. Yeah, I think the finale, that sounds important. That sounds really, really well done. I think the bad ending can get dropped just because it's a well-written ending for the game. But yeah, I do want to stress that playing The Missing was not fun, ever. Oh. <laughs> That, that doesn't mean it, that means it doesn't. Bad have to games win. can have good moments. But yeah. yeah. Did the game earn that finale? Yes. Yeah. Then I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, I feel really that moment hit me in a pretty deep way. Like you know, it's whenever a game can make tell me a little bit about an experience that's not my own. I feel like it's really also, valuable. No sweary game has been fun to play, so people know. What <laughs> I know, but they always do really interesting stuff thematically. So this is no exception. Um, so yeah, I he, think I'm okay with this. He's the Mizuguchi of narrative. Yeah, it's like ah, I I I know what to expect here, even if it is like oh, it's new. All right, quick vote: mm-hmm. Lenny, Arthur, and Lenny, or Bad Ending AC Odyssey. <laughs> Arthur, I mean, live? I can't I can't say anything about the Odyssey ending because I haven't okay. seen it. So, so you're... I, mean, I think the fact that there is a really shitty good ending kind of hurts uh, AC it. Yep. Odyssey's, uh, moment. That's what I'm feeling. I, I, I would rather see. Uh, and is it is it a moment of the ending or is it the whole ending? Because it's not really a moment anyway, right? 
Now you're splitting. I mean, I'm just Let's not. I'm being, we don't have time for that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, what's and our also, standing right now? We have the missing and texting MJ seem like pretty good locks. And then it's either the bad ending from AC Odyssey that Tyler mentioned, or Arthur and Lenny's drunken debaucherous night out in Red Dead. Kind of like the notion of an ending that turns everything on its head, like Odyssey. Yeah. Um, so if it's like you know whether or not it's making top ten is a whole different point of contention, but I would maybe favor that as the third spot. I'm leaning towards Odyssey as well. I feel like Tyler is more the deciding vote for this, to which one to switch. I I think both of those are uh, a little bit stronger than texting MJ, just because mm. it is just a straight cutscene. And even though I felt more invested because I've been playing as Peter Parker, he's such a well-known character. Like you could have had that scene in a movie or in a comic, and it still would have resonated with me. Whereas I think Arthur and Lenny's Night Out works for me because I was playing it. Does it... I think the bad ending works for me because I've been playing through that story and making those choices. I guess I feel well, like I will add... MJ's relationship in that moment is so pivotal to that game and where it goes from there. And I'm not sure that Arthur and Lenny's Night mm-hmm. Out, from what I've heard, really is impactful. It sounds like it's the funny. Only... The only thing I would add Which that with the Lenny part, because it's a, it's another spoiler, but uh, eventually Lenny is killed mm-hmm. through toward the end of the game and throughout the game when you've gone on quest with Lenny, Arthur kind of builds that kind of mentorship relationship with Lenny and they build well, a friendship. Like the young new guys the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that first like drunken night out is kind of the start of their friendship, so oh. it adds emotional impact later when he's killed. And so, it's right after like there was like a hard moment for Lenny, so like Arthur is just taking him out to kind of take his mind off of things. Okay. And they talk about like racist bullshit together of being, you know, he, him being a black man in 1899. So mm-hmm. like the characterization is backed up by that experience they have mm-hmm. together. Okay. So. Uh, I'd be okay with ditching texting MJ if we had to. Yeah. Okay. That I'm makes fine sense. with that. I've been, I just, man, that's a moment I think we've all had. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Please text back. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad about cutting that, but, it, you know, it's okay. I mean, I would get rid of the AC Odyssey bad ending, but again, I didn't hear what Tyler said. I haven't finished <laughs> the game. Uh, he, so, he basically made it sound like, yo, like, fucking Homer wrote this ending. <laughs> and that's pretty dope. Like, it sounds like a very, okay. but it's also like. Everybody's been fucking writing Greek tragedies for like four thousand years. We know. I would hope you could replicate that. Yeah. yeah, I, I think honestly, my three are Macfield, MJ, and Arthur and Lenny. Now that I think about it, I feel like based on your description, uh, the missing wins it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's okay for it to win. Yeah. Okay. It's a that sounds like the moment that defines the whole game. Right. It's the one moment where it all works. And uh, yeah, I. I was definitely like emotionally affected by the end of that game. Uh, it did. It was not perfect in its execution. It's got that really weird, stilted, sweary style, you know, narr- dialogue that is like you can't tell if it's trying to ape Twin Peaks or if you think that's just how people talk. But like, <laughs> uh, man. oh, so it's a sweary game. Yeah, <laughs> but man, just that. I mean, I knew kind of what was coming, but the the moment where you wake up and you realize the whole who this whole person is is so it was very uh, mm. effective mm-hmm. i'm not sure how i feel about tongue control because i'm not entirely sure i still understand so we're done category is. Yeah, yeah we're done we with that it. one we're good, but... winner is the missing ending the runners up are ac odyssey's greek tragedy and red dead's drunken night yep. tone control let me describe this um 
So there's this podcast I keep talking about that I love that uh, Steve Gaynor here from Fulbright does. And he defines tone control, I'm paraphrasing here, as like games that kind of have an, a core idea of like an essential experience they want to convey. And everything kind of comes together to serve that single purpose. Uh, so like maybe a good example here is Res. Res is a game about shooting stuff in rhythm to experience this sort of like facsimile of synesthesia where like you know your senses come together and everything in that game serves to kind of get you in the groove feel the beats and the visuals and audio come together to kind of get you feeling like you're you're part of this thing right um another good example of tone control i think would be something like earthbound which is you know a dragon quest clone but everything is steeped in like americana and commentary on that and you like go dumpster diving for food because you're broken america and you get like sports equipment to beat shit up because you're in America. You're not in like fucking Final Fantasy land. And uh, everything kind of comes together to create this very distinctive experience based on that. For what uh, it's worth, our, our, our winner last year was Pyre. And so that sets the tone pretty well. Yeah. Everything built to that. Why is Tetris Effect not on this list? Uh, that's, that's an a, oversight. That's, a, that's an excellent question. <laughs> it's on there now. Our nominees are Oberdin, Celeste, Hollow Knight, Labo, Spider-Man, Deltarune, The Messenger, Motorsport Manager 3 Mobile, Florence, yep. and Tetris Effect. I just wanted to mention Does Motorsport. Does Red Dead belong on this list? I thought about that, and I just don't know if I can make a strong enough case compared to the others. Tone, yes, so. control? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm willing uh, to cut this immediately even just to mention it, but Motorsport Manager 3 is a handheld game where you control a racing team but every moment in the game every um little piece of text even some of the just flavor text stuff is incredibly well patterned for people that are following motorsports right now you know there's a there's a joke about you improve a setup of a car and it's you know adding illegal parts or adding uh you know improving oil burning and the the oil burning is a reference directly to 2018 formula one season so it it does really really well with how you're building it up and and it, if you are at all interested in cars it or a fan of racing it all comes together rather well based off of next description would labo be the winner it's in my what top three Smash probably Brothers. i think oberden might be the winner I, I, that's kind of my that or Celeste. thought. Yeah, tell me about Celeste real quick. What do you think? How how is Celeste? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Celeste, Celeste is a game about overcoming what you think you can't do and what you tell yourself you can't do, and it's wrapped in the veneer of a difficult platforming game. Uh, those are games that famously a lot of people see as things they can't do or they're too challenging. Um, Hi. Until, yeah. <laughs> until super meat boy came around and i realized i could be good at those things i didn't think i could be either but after super meat boy i kind of fell off of that and then celeste came around and super meat boy didn't make me feel good about it it was funny and i was like oh cool i got a shit ton of a free time to burn i guess i'll play this game forever and get good at it celeste was more like here's this character who suffers from you know anxiety and depression which are things that you know many of us at least i have certainly like had plenty of experience with in my life and she's trying to do this thing that puts her way outside her comfort zone and it nearly breaks her. Like the first chapter ends with her calling home and having a panic attack about like, what am I doing? I shouldn't be here. And Millennials, the game. Yeah, right. It's such a metaphor. She's trying to climb a mountain yeah. and you're 
essentially doing that by playing the game. Yeah, and uh, one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is like the other parts of that narrative besides just her inner struggle. There's this character Theo who she meets on the mountain, who's this goofball, lovable like, like just great character. Um, and the friendship they form is just uh, really pure and remarkable. And I know it's outside the scope of the game, but I think it's relevant. There's an Instagram account that they started before the game came out, and they update with art every now and then. It's like it's literally Theo's Instagram handle from the game is an actual Instagram account where he posts stuff and once in a while they'll visit in real life and like post photos of that. Uh, but there's a scene in the game around two thirds of the way through where after overcoming the mirror temple, you have a little campfire and you talk and you can either choose to go to sleep early on or you can talk about stuff. And eventually the more you talk, eventually that go to sleep option fades away and you just start talking. There's this very natural conversation happening. And it's like this very pivotal moment where Madeline is choosing to open up in a way that she hasn't throughout the game. And it's also uh, indicative of like her overcoming some of these initial challenges she's seen. Of course, right after that, she falls harder than ever, literally back to the base of the mountain and really has to confront her own inner demons before she can progress further. It's just the whole arc of this game, the notion of playing this very challenging platformer where you're learning new skills as you go and doing things you didn't think you could do before because each level is like exponentially harder than the previous. It works so well to really just convey this whole thing where by the end, like to kind of simplify it, the final level is a boss rush basically of the previous levels. Um, but it's got this really just heroic music going and it evokes all the themes of these challenges you've overcome before. And all the whole, the whole while you and Badawin are talking to each other and like encouraging each other and reconciling. And it's just this, um, the whole game is just this like, like very positive but very genuine and very grounded metaphor for like yeah shit is hard but you can do this and the whole game from its tutorial tips to its assist modes all that stuff it's all about encouraging and empowering people to surprise themselves so you're telling me you have to go from the bottom of the mountain back all the way up after getting all the way up there not quite not quite fuck (laughs) I want to add just to what Nick said I think you perfectly encapsulated why I like the game and why I even bother to keep playing it. Um, I've had a hard time trying to describe what about uh, Celeste maybe even want to beat it. The A-sides, of course, I didn't choose to go and do the harder difficulty stuff because I think I got out of it what I wanted to get out of it by the end of the game. Um, but yeah, as you said uh, perfectly, that experience just encouraged you in a way that these other hardcore platformers have not and have been to me pretentious and annoying like you either have the skills or you don't or if you don't have the skills hashtag get good scrub and stop whining about it but like um if you don't enjoy it sorry you just don't get it but celeste felt like it was accessible in a way that none of these games have been before so i think that to to the point of tone control it's had it has fantastic tone control because it encouraged you in the way that celeste was trying to learn to encourage herself throughout her journey up and down the mountain and back up again and confronting her demons yeah i couldn't just set it better myself Uh, contrary to why like florence which i'm sure you can make an argument for whoever put it on the list that was me but like like celeste the use of tone control and the narrative being about things suck and it's you're always going to have these inner demons you're always going to have a hard time getting over them but you can i think that's why that uh narrative and that ending stuck with me more than florence which nick and i were talking before we started uh podcasting 
that Florence feels like it is the best possible outcome of confronting sadness and life's troubles. And like, of course, it ends in a really positive way, which I respect less than Celeste. Is It's not saying like by the end of it, uh, Madeline is now she has this like really cool business where she's selling art and she's like super awesome all the time. She's made friends and she's she's confronted herself, but she still has a lot of work to do. Yeah. I felt that was way more relatable than just like everything's perfect at the end. Yeah, and it's not like she banishes Madeline or anything. It's that they learn to live together. And yeah. it's I think a much more genuine story. Um uh Delta Rune has great tone control, but I'll fight that battle another day it's a <laughs> wonderful wonderful thing when the full game comes out you can try to get it to sweep um, all the i think spider-man is notable because that fucking end to end feels like a great marvel movie yep every ounce of it from the collectibles to the the ui to how you swing through the world to uh J. jonah jameson basically being <laughs> bill o'reilly with a podcast instead of alex like, jones no, oh, no, no 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 it's it's it is bill o'reilly for sure bill o'reilly he doesn't scream. Okay, I thought I got more of the conspiratorial aspect. I mean, there's a bit of yeah. that, too. But that's Bill O'Reilly, too. It's a little extent. bit of Look, it, but it's he, completely Being Bill a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. It's no, there's drugs in the water to make the frogs gay moments. <laughs> no. Lizard people. Not quite. Yeah. Well, though, I guess in Spider-Man world, lizard people are do actually exist. That's true. So. Fair point. I mean, um, Jonah keeps talking about, yes, I did help create the scorpion. But <laughs> it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. <laughs> Um, in any, yeah, in any case, jo- Jonah Jameson is more of a "fuck it, we're doing it live" than yeah. screaming and going Super Saiyan fighting oh, in the yeah. streets. Alex Jones. Maybe style. something to add to that, like you were saying, Doug, is the photo mode. Oh yeah, and the use of the covers, like how it includes um, for photo frame filters, the comic book covers of like Amazing Spider-Man classic. Like, talk about a way to make it feel like you're in the comics by letting you kind of create your own comic book covers. That's cool. That just feeds into the tone as- control aspect oh, of absolutely. Like a comic book. There and will be a awesome. best photo mode coming up. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely awesome that, you know, we've talked about photo modes. We had the category last year. We have it again this year. Um, and then you have a character who's classically a photographer, and they can merge that right into the gameplay, and it works so well, and it's so cool. Yeah, I think this is Celeste and Spider-Man for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then what else do we th- like? Oberdin is incredibly strong on this because it is, yeah. I guess, it's it doesn't have a map full of checkpoints. It isn't a, a Ubisoft game. It isn't the same as Spider Man. It isn't the same as Red Dead. It's not that sort of a game. So there's a little bit less that you control in that regard. But it looks incredibly controlled in terms of what you do see and what you do experience. We also haven't talked about the voice acting and the music and the way that those interweave mm. and the mm-hmm. little musical stings that happen when tutorials pop up or when you ship off your manifest and then like when you get it back with all the assessed amounts of money that your <laughs> company has to pay out based on everybody's fate. That thing end-to-end is literally just an insurance adjuster's investigation and it embraces that with glee. Um, I think Oberdin mm-hmm. is a, a killer example of tone control. Yeah. The only thing I would say is just that I don't think it does it as well as the creator's previous game mm, really I think if you're if you're talking master strokes of tone control like that game nails it i think jesus so, yeah papers please felt pretty cartoony to me though in a way that diminished from the maybe it wouldn't have been possible to play that game without like hating myself if it wasn't a little cartoony but i don't know mm. it was very effective though i, I have to say and and to so be honest we... since we are living through 2018 sometimes <laughs> the weird like 
completely crazy uh, autocratic stuff that happens feels a little bit cartoony. That's yeah, true. You, not just not just talking about the U.S., but you, you look around the world and see what happens, and sometimes some of those things are completely cartoonish and evil. Except you're at the point where it sounds rational to have said it or heard it, or it sounds likely that it could be possible to happen. If you're so talking we... that degree of slight mismatching, like Oberdin's uh, aesthetic, like the like you were saying, the old Mac uh, kind of like dot point style, like I think that doesn't necessarily fit like the 18th century uh, ship insurance investigation theme. Like I, or does it? Like, is there an argument you could make? Yeah, for that? I think there is. Um, it's not meant to look like you're actually there it's meant to be like you found this weird ass game from the 1980s that just happens to be in 3d and the way you play it this game is very much like a classic style weirdo overly detailed like investigation adventure game where like you're literally just taking notes on stuff and then you submit like this paperwork spreadsheet basically at the end and uh that to me is as macintosh as it gets um <laughs> spencer's nodding along here so yeah yeah it has like a, a meta to use an overused term but it yeah. has a meta element that i think really helps mm-hmm. the argument for its tone i control. think the game needed to be in 3d as well for the investigations to be as dynamic and uh legitimate feeling as they are like if it had just been 2d yeah. painted environments where you can see all yeah. the hidden objects that wouldn't have been nearly as meaningful yeah. as like you walk around and see someone literally being decapitated and you try and figure out, okay, well, who is the one who threw the thing that killed them? Or like, yeah, it, yeah what is this the thing? investigation yeah. process? Is there any justification for your character basically time traveling? Yeah, you get a little magical videos. pocket watch, which is all the uh, you have a MacGuffin. Yeah, it's a MacGuffin. <laughs> okay, fine. I mean, what do you um, want me to do? Are we so? Are we saying Oberdin, Celeste, and Spider Man? I'll take that. Or are there others that were? I mean, Tetris Effect in the, is in cool, the interest but... of moving along. I, guess, I think Celeste, right? Oberdin, and Spider Man for me. I mean, Tetris Effect sounds amazing, but also Mizuguchi's done this before. Yeah. It's not meaningfully different, except VR is great for Mizuguchi, as it, sound, as it turns out. But, Which yeah. is not to say it's bad, but we're, we it's we we approve no- that notability and we approve novelty as well. Like, it has to do something new. I mean, if you like Tetris or Mizuguchi, play that game immediately. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. But, I, I want to yeah. buy it once I get a bit more, you know... Wants to get a bit more time and wants to get something, but also I'm pretty yeah. sure I could come to that game three years from now. It's going to be the same sort of experience. It's totally. not going to be re- reduced or removed like at all. Res, yep. playing it for the first time years later. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, I think Celeste. I would say, a... yeah, Celeste. Is I there anything agree. about Hollow Knight that would put it into that top three? It's a good contender. I am uh, not willing to make the argument, so I'm not sure. I mean. It's so quiet and weird and dark and grim, but also funny, but also gross. Like, just really gross. Uh, it, I guess it uses the, like, bug aesthetic yeah. really well as far as tone. All these weird skittering creatures and all these... Like, every sound effect is so well done in that game. Mm-hmm. It's so crawly. <laughs> I don't know. Ugh. It's really, really something neat. Unpleasant at times, but really neat. Uh, great but voice acting. Unpleasant. No one says any actual words, but the voice acting is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Zote droning f- on in town is great. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the fact that we've we said okay, we got three, and then oh wait, we do have Hollow Knight. We do have a couple others. I think that says everything. Yeah. Yep. I think it's Spider Man, Oberdin, Celeste. I think I would vote for Celeste to win it. 
Yeah, I would vote for that or Oberdin. Those would be my top two. So either or. I think Celeste has probably got it based off of what you've said and what I've. I'm only on chapter two. I can't lie. It's hard. And I went, dropped the Wii or Switch, sorry, for a while. So. <laughs> Oberdin's the only one I disagree with, but I don't think I'm getting it off the trio. Well, what would you put in there instead then? Don't ask him. No, I think Hollow Knight okay. fits better. I. I, I yeah, I thought the the vibe, like the, the insect theme fits pretty well. Uh, I didn't like the fact that you have to like seek out the map guy to actually like, get the map and like, uh, fill it in. But like entering an environment and like hearing him, I'm like, oh, he's around here somewhere. And I mm-hmm. would like, start Where did my looking go? around for him. I like that a lot, actually. Um, I would swap Oberdin for Hollow Knight. Really? I think Oberdin wins for Art Direction for sure. Yeah, and we gave it for our direction for sure. Actually, you know, I might, I'm, I don't know. It's tough because like Spider Man's this very different style of tone control that it also completely nails. That's different from the other games we're talking about. I think, from a AAA standpoint, like Spider Man hits that like high budget, uh, really playable, but it really puts you in the mindset of playing that Spider Man yeah. experience in a way that nothing's done since. Yeah, if Spider-Man it was poorly in the PS2. Right. If it was poorly executed, we wouldn't be talking about it. So they they made that feel of a comic book, a movie, and being Spider Man work really well. I mean, it's so, it's easy to dis to just hand wave it because we've seen so many open world and and there are so many big budget open world games, but the voice acting is incredibly good. The little mm-hmm. details of Peter sounding like he's working out when you're swinging and he's talking versus yeah. just standing on or or perching someplace. And, and the quips, yeah. the spider quips, like that fits perfectly because it's Spider-Man. All right. So do I we want to swap out Hollow Knight for Oberdin? Because I would, no. I would disagree. I made my mind up just now. It's I think it's Celeste, Oberdin, and Marvel Spider-Man. I'm good with that, as Celeste being the winner. Hollow Knight is an excellent game, but I don't think that necessarily I think of tonal consistency as its strong suit. Mm-hmm. All right. That's on Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> Sold. I mean, I, I said that I, I don't like Overdin for the top three. And the... of the top three, Spider-Man's probably my pick. Okay. Because as far as, like, uh, Spider-Man fiction goes, I think whether you're talking books, movies, TV, whatever, it's very difficult to hit that balance between the characters of Spider-Man and the character of Peter Parker. And I think Insomniac pulled it off. I, I think that you're right about that. And what I struggle with is it, how does that compare to something like Celeste, which is all about we all have inner demons and how do you learn to deal with that? And every element of Celeste is about creating that story and making it relatable. Right. Do we value the tone that Celeste portrays more than the tone of Spider-Man, which is really good, but it's really good at just aping the feeling of Spider-Man that we know from 60 years of popular culture. Yeah. Well, I think or that's what makes more. Spider-Man successful is that it pulls off getting you in that mindset, getting you in that mode. It also has a bunch of side quests that don't really come, you know, help with that. All of the, yeah. So the, my biggest problem with Spider-Man is not the narrative and not the, the graphics and the portrayal and the suits and the, the like the textural textural layers that make you feel like Spider-Man it's the optional stuff that is optional, which is why I didn't do it. It's like cleaning up all the crimes in the neighborhood and all that open world bullshit aside from yeah. collecting like the backpack items that are about past references, which are fun. They're just elements that pull me out of like, would Spider-Man really be like, I, 
I know this is inside baseball now, but I just it pulls me out of the experience when you have yet another here's another crime to swing into to beat up five guys like it's Batman Arkham Asylum mechanics again. Yeah. But everything else about the game works well to feel like Spider-Man. Some of it feels like filler, so I don't know if it has the best tone control consistently throughout the experience. Spencer or Doug, do you want to weigh in here to help us move along? I think Spider-Man should be on there. I think Celeste should be on there. I think Oberdin has the argument there. I haven't played enough Hollow Knight to counter the argument, um, but I actually would, I would argue for Spider-Man for winner because it... It does a better job than any of these big budget games that we've seen at managing that, managing your time, and being enjoyable to be in the world. Spencer, you're the tiebreaker. Uh, hmm. I think I'm going to give... Yeah, if, if Spider-Man's really nailing that tone um, from like the comic books and to a certain extent the cartoon, then that's a remarkable achievement considering... How terrible most of those games have been. So. All right, I'm fine with it. Spider-Man wins, Celeste and Oberdin runners-up. All right, only five more categories. All right, we'll get through these. Uh, hopefully this feels like a bit of a warm-up for Game of the Year top ten yep. stuff, though. So. Oh, yeah. No, we're, and we've we've got, you know, we've Celeste has got a category, Oberdin's got a category, Yeah. Um, and Spider-Man now has a category that it's won, and I think that's fine. Like, all those games are excellent and i think that yeah. is in there norman Reedus climbing on things memorial award brought to you by hideo kojima to the most batshit unhinged things we can imagine we salute you the nominees are building hackable cardboard terror bots that can see in the goddamn dark with nintendo <laughs> lavo a tower attack minigame starring famous pro wrestlers as string punk gods in yakuza 6 <laughs> ono michio in yakuza 6 sends a donut uh, as a like a like emote action in donut county uh <laughs> lamp shading sean bean in hitman 2 uh, reverse engineering calculator in pro office calculator uh fpp first person pissing after a drunken night of debauchery in red dead uh graver photography kiryu and i could probably mispronounce all that and that kiwami too realistic weather-based horse testicle contraction in red dead redemption 2 <laughs> Uh, I think horse balls are on this list. The, the spirit of this award yeah. is uh, gameplay. Yeah. So that's true. I don't think that Red Dead holds up. Yeah. Because the, the testicle thing was a funny joke, but it doesn't really amount to a whole lot other than just Rockstar's insane attention to detail. Yeah. Uh, the first person pissing is instantly disqualified because you can't control your stream. Oh, good point. This is Tyler's category. I. If I if I if I get first person pissing in my game, I need to control direction and velocity. That's that seems like 101. Yeah, stuff. if I had known that like, earlier, I would feel that's, that's 101 like, pissing. It's like yeah. it's like having a toilet in a game that you can't flush. Like, what are you even doing at that point? Okay, well, Lobo's on this. I list. would have to check, but I'm pretty sure that Yakuza Kiwami 2 includes a pissing mini game that you can control the stream of. Mm. And that you have to load up the bladder first before you can engage in it. <laughs> All right, that's a late addition. I think I, I think Labo. I haven't played on here at all. So, Labo, what? I think Labo's on here based on how Tower described it. Like, you build shit with this thing, and it uses like the Joy-Con vibrations to literally build a robot, and then the IR camera literally sees in the dark and shows up on your Switch controller. So suddenly you're like, I was piloting this thing through cupboards because like why the fuck not? And uh, <laughs> the amount of stuff you can do to like, oh, there's where the Gabranzos are. 
create different outputs and like yeah it's just it's it's weird it feels like if kojima made stuff for kids god forbid this is what he would do (laughs) (laughs) it would still have huge tits yeah (laughs) well i mean come on nintendo boobo yeah quiet labo um uh yeah and the rest i mean sean bean is funny i don't know if that's really like how okay okay i feel so i felt like this was kind of a weak category this year i'm gonna be honest with you is that it uh sean sean bean uh as an elusive target is paying off the promise of hitman elusive targets yes they're this very temporary thing you get one shot at doing it and uh it's kind of like taking because it's not part of the story of hitman it's elusive target is its own like really self-contained uh narrative and i i just think it's great have this kind of like intersection of popular culture and hitman like taking the model of the new hitman like post season one where it's like we can be flexible with this stuff we can keep adding new stuff we can uh make you look at these levels in new lights and then like taking that to the next degree where it's like oh like the the joke is like sean bean dies and everything so we make him the immortal this is like the hitman the undying the undying sorry that literally makes a joke at your expense in the level that like oh well uh he's like explaining like how undying he is like if you were to kill me how would you do it and because uh, agent 47 has no filter he just starts uh elaborating on ways that he would kill him and then sean bean just starts tearing him apart like oh no that would never work you couldn't kill me that way and of course in the level you can kill him that way <laughs> so this th- that's on this list ju- just seeing sean bean is the first elusive target in hitman to okay that's a chuckle the reason i put this on here as a nomination the reason why i'm la- it's lampshading it the introduction to the mission is the typical style where they give you a voiceover. He's a a he's like 006 in Goldeneye, the movie, yep. where he's a he's an agent gone bad, and they keep they've they have twelve confirmed kills, but the motherfucker's not dead. Huh. So and it's it's very hinted that he is going to reappear as a future elusive target. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. implying that you were not successful in killing. Him. Here's what happens in the in the game. They said it at the Miami race where there's also a technology conference happening which has quite a few weapons technology sections of it as well. And he's he's got meetings. So he goes into this meeting room and he's talking about a subject or something. The way I watched it played through and the way you can do it and that they offer up as one of the uh, opportunities a story follow is you have a guy who gets you into that meeting. You have to dress up like one of the engineers or the staff there to get into there. And you just, you go down and you sit down and you're watching Sean Bean talk about some weapon thing or another. And for whatever reason, he kind of breaks it and has like a, a senior manager talking to the junior staff moment of what would you do in this case? Except like Tyler said, it's about, so how would you kill me in this room? And you can, you answer (laughs) <laughs> or you can just stand up and throw a knife at the motherfucker. Either way, <laughs> and so that's what that's that's the best part is he wow. says, "Oh, you know, uh, there's a, a a fall out of the here from the third from you know push you out of the window." Sean Bean goes, mm, "It's only the third story. I'm not going to be a guaranteed kill." <laughs> okay, what you know, so, kitchen knife over yeah, there. This... You going to get that past all these people? I mean, you're Agent Forty Seven. You can try. Hmm. It's the Hideo Kojima spirit of the ridiculousness combined with the practical gameplay. I think that's a lock then. 
so what Giant Bomb did on a, a show not long ago is they had two guys do it. <laughs> Vinny's went cartoonishly bad, as you would expect. Um, but I think the other per- the other guy playing it was Dan, and he- or no, sorry, it was Brad. <laughs> he, he he drops the explosive rubber duck and walks out of the room and <laughs> triggers it. <laughs> <laughs> to which Gerf- Gersman said, "I'm gonna go home. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and duck that motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that seems like it has to be on this list. Uh, I think. How do you feel about sending a donut? Oh my god! So. To to give a little bit of a story spoiler for Donut County, the the donuts that the donut shop runs are the holes that you send out. Yeah, there's an app that you oh. can order donuts from, but they just swallow everything up, and you control them. And... Don't try to think about yeah. it too much. It's just a gameplay mechanic. It's more of a donut hole, actually. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but a donut without a hole is just a nut. <laughs> Is that a thing they say in the game, or is that just a Doug joke? Not really. No, that's that's definitely something that was said in the game. I was double checking for music earlier, and then there's a trailer where that's a joke that's made. Uh, I think Donut County is just this thing, and yeah. it's a really good weird mechanic. It's you know it reminds me of Katamari in that sense of like this is a weird thing that you just do for the whole game, but it was very oddly satisfying to me, and the chaos you can cause with it is really fun. Why did I not? It was reminiscent of the uh, the um, Fultoning. Yeah. Yeah. Why I did it's... I not nominate this for best tone control? That's a stupid move on my part. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I think Sean Bean has to be here. I feel like Donuts probably on there. And then I feel like Lobo probably. Because like gameplay wise, that's that's all gameplay. Uh, so so let me once again take us on a walk through our Japanese Kiryu and, and Yakuza section. You have two minutes, go. Oh dear. Okay, so there's always a horny minigame, and in this one, you're taking photos of real-life women. Great. I don't like this. <laughs> Not a strong start. <laughs> well, this is why it's a Hideo Kojima moment. That's why this is, that's why this is nominated in this category. I, we uh, don't, we're not here to praise Kojima's baser instincts. We're here to like <laughs> talk about the weird mechanical shit that comes out of that. Yeah, and you get graded on the photography. I, I haven't so played Pokemon through Kiwami 2, but I know like, it's Moving like, on. Yeah, this is not, anyway, yeah let's move. Uh, Pokemon all the Brass way Snap. <sighs> wow. Nice one, Aaron. Sorry. Um, the mascot of the small town in Hiroshima is hilarious, and the, the side story that you play with him. You get to beat people up wearing that costume. And so that, that already has become mm-hmm. a bit iconic within Yakuza and the fandom of it. It's a big orange yeah. head with a ramen bowl on top it, and a sailor outfit. It's also a send-up of that there are so many ma- – like everything in Japan has a mascot. And it all is like putting together the different elements that they're trying to represent as a mis- mishmatch. So an orange head with a ramen hat and a fish wallet is like, okay, it's all symbolic, but it doesn't work together. But it kind of works together. I don't know. Look, you guys figured it out. Because even though it's not gameplay related, I'm really disappointed that the horse testicles didn't make it. So <laughs> I have no literal horse in this fight. And last, um, last there's there's Thank always you. a mini game that you can play and get money in. This time, the bosses for that mini game, which is like a tower attack style mini game, they're all actual pro wrestlers playing some facsimile of themselves. And the leader is the, one of the reigning champions. So that's how they got their cross promotion in with it. In in Kiwami Two, which came out this year, they're all old wrestlers, so that's also part of the joke as well. That's that's fun. 
it's just so bizarre to see like their crossover is the actors that are playing the characters and the fact that they got pro wrestlers in this thing playing these guys. It's so <laughs> weird. I like that. All right. All right, guys, what are your choices? I think Sean I Bean think, has to be in there. Yeah, I think it's what we mentioned earlier. It's it's Hitman 2, it's it's Donut County, and it's Nintendo Labo. And I I don't know if Labo wins it or not. It might. I mean, from the sound of it, Labo sounds like it is a subplot from a Metal Gear game. Well, also, in a weird way, it's... Children are building... Uh, death robots they're, in their houses it's also for, a reflection uh, of nintendo's history where they're a toy maker first and foremost nah, i got no objection like, labo seems cool it also seems extremely weird aka kojima yeah that sounds fair to me or norman Reedus, i guess yeah all right so uh i think Sean Bean or, or Labo win this. I'd vote Labo probably. Because it's just, it's literally cardboard boxes. I mean, it doesn't get more Kojima than that. <laughs> I That is his thing. I am enjoying Hitman 2, but I think both the Nintendo connection of how it, it's, it's part of their history, um, that it's so weird that they're creating these things. It's still getting a big marketing push. Like, I've seen ads for the newer Labo sets, and the fact that Hideo Kojima does enjoy it cardboard boxes as well i think that probably puts it over the top okay going once all right going twice give it the labo okay. do it labo labo wins hitman 2 sean bean and da, 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 donut county as runners up best continuation tyler take it away uh this is us uh merging a uh, couple categories, which were like most improved and best add-on, or DLC, if you prefer. Uh, it's just saying that this is a property or a, a specific game that uh, already exists, but has been made better through the a- additional support from its developer and publisher. So we got on our list nominees uh, Hollow Knight, which got a number of free DLC uh, packs that expanded upon the game. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man, I'm not sure why it's on here. Uh, Delta Room, which is uh, kind of sequel-ish to it's, Undertale. It's the next great game in the Undertale franchise. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, the Undertale Cinematic Universe. <laughs> The greatest crossover event in uh, the you. Pokemon Let's Go, uh, NBA Live 19, uh, uh, Gran Turismo <laughs> Sport, uh, Mario and Rabbids, the Donkey Kong uh, Adventure, uh, Prey Moon Crash, and also Typhon Hunters just came out, but we'll, we'll be focusing on Moon Crash. Uh, Middle Earth, Shadow of War, uh, No Man's Sky, uh, Overwatch with its uh, number of new characters, and Diablo 3 on Switch. I mean, Miller's Shadow War sucked ass, so <laughs> I think that's out. I played Ooh, like him. 30 hours of that game, didn't finish it, and I just did not enjoy it. But I will say, before we move on to something else, that I respect their decision to remove the uh, the market, the transaction uh, um, loot crate market from the game uh, earlier this year. 
because that was a big problem toward the late game. You would basically need to have these high-powered uh, rare orcs to guard your fortresses that you capture. And there's this whole siege factor in the last act of the game, and it was kind of impossible to do it without paying for orcs. So that sucked. Rare, but they got rid of it. Rare orc is my favorite new strain of the year. <laughs> Great band. <laughs> I just got an ounce of that down the street. <laughs> Yo, son, you got that rare orc? <laughs> uh, are the new Overwatch characters uh, worth putting it in the top three for best continued support? I kind of stopped playing mm. Overwatch a um, while ago, so I don't really know. Yeah. I, uh, feel... I think putting Blizzard games in this category <laughs> is unfair. <laughs> um, because they support their games in a way that other publishers would never consider just from a marketing and um, you know money perspective. Um, Overwatch is great. I, I think Overwatch absolutely should be considered mm-hmm. because it's not only like there's new characters, there's new maps. Uh, the ongoing support for that game is fucking incredible. Um, and like, other than it's not surprising being a Blizzard yeah. game, but it is spectacular and it's still really fun. It's still an amazing game. Um, and they have shown no signs of stopping. They're still after it. Like they, they announced a new character this year and it's like, oh, and we have like five more in the pack. Yeah. That's to be expected. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's uh, Blizzard. They just do that. Well, it's, it, yeah. Like Blizzard could win the Overwatch could win the category every yeah. year just based off of that. I'm, I'm going right. to yank uh, Diablo three out of here. That's true. Uh, just cause I know it's not going to hang, but same deal. It's um, it's like, I would it's so I do good, want though. to at least express. I don't know how well it's going to go, but uh, I want to give a shout out to No Man's Sky. I was actually going to say the same thing because the amount like that game disappointed people on release, and they have been completely committed to keeping up with it and adding new content. And it's honestly remarkable. <laughs> Based off the off the big update this year, it even it even made me reinstall the game to give it another like ten hours of my time. And while I think overall the game still, I think it's now no longer the fault of the game that I don't like it. It's that I think just that experience of a um, non-guided, non-story-based exploration sim is just not something I'm interested in. But I was impressed with the updates that they did to actually make that game more close to the the vision that they set out years ago. I think that's in the spirit of this category, too. Like The fact that I don't like No Man's Sky very much at this point is not the game's fault anymore it's just that like oh yeah. i've kind of got what i want out of this but what they've done to transform it and add systems to it is pretty incredible mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i think no man's sky deserves some spot on yeah here. i don't think spider-man has a reason to be here i don't know yeah, what yeah i didn't who know put who that... put that there or where it's coming from i don't know it was not it wasn't me i'm wondering about that yeah like i think it's better than kind Sunset, of same with but whatever i don't care so what about let's go? I put the comment that I could see the argument, but I don't know whoever put that on there has an that argument was, to start. That was me. Um, and I think that's that I am the kind of guy who doesn't like all the systems they keep adding to Pokemon games. I want something shorter mm. and more streamlined. And I realize I'm kind of just a fan of the original 151. And this, I was nervous about, you know, the new catching mechanics being ripped out of the phone game and all that, but it actually plays a lot faster now. And the trainer battles are still really fun and uh, it feels like to me for me personally the motion controls make me never want to play it on tv though 
pretty much exclusively play it in handheld. Mode. Yeah, I hate the TV oh, controls, too. but I, I, uh, separate from that, I agree with what next. I started time. playing it portable after about half an hour on the TV. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's also another Pokemon game. There have been probably 30 of those in some format. Um, whatever. It's not the best one of those I've played either. That's probably Sun and Moon. So it's yeah. it's hard for me to see Hollow Knight as best continuation since I didn't actually play it until it was complete. Yeah, and I thought about this, and like even as someone, I tried to think mm-hmm. about what what would it be like for these DLC elements to roll out, and the fact that they they didn't tell you how to trigger them or what would happen. Uh, that's kind of nice, and it's in keeping with the tone and spirit of how Hollow Knight communicates stuff. But it's not really the best parts of the game, and I think that that's mm-hmm. it's fine. It's cool they did that. But yeah, I think uh, I'd actually, though I haven't finished it, I would say a real heavy hitter is Delta Room, yeah. just as like the actual definition of a continuation of whatever it is compared to Undertale. Yeah. Like again, I haven't finished it, but like it's not a sequel, and I think it bears mentioning to say that it is a continuation, and it is in keeping with some of the themes from the first game or undertale the fact that i still don't know exactly what delta rune is to undertale is a big part of why i'm fascinated by how it's continuing the story because all these characters are there but Mm -hmm. they don't seem to know you they don't seem to know each other the same way uh you get a Mm -hmm. lot of this at the very end you have like you know like an earthbound there's that whole like you can walk around before you go home thing uh that's in here as well and you get to talk to a lot of people there and uh Mm. that's where it all kind of is it is it really chapter one is that clear yep Toby yeah. Fox posted a big thing about here's how long it took me to make this. Here's this arc I have planned. I'm going to hire a team to build the rest of this. So, yep. Kind of like the Undertale demo in that sense, which you put out a few years before Undertale. Why do my strike throughs keep getting. Um, what about the Donkey Kong DLC? Was that really a substantial continuation? I, I have it. I just haven't gotten there, Tyler. I'm assuming you played more of it than any of us. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's more uh mario and rabbits but it's been uh redesigned a bit to be more donkey kong centric and he com- he plays pretty differently he has different abilities than the other characters and you got uh cranky rabbit who has a crossbow <laughs> nice. uh, I, I i just think it's cute uh the way that like they adjusted the tone from being a very mario centric game to being a very donkey kong centric game like the music's different because they got Grant Kirkhope, who did the uh, Donkey Kong Country music and did the music for Tropical Freeze, to come in and do the soundtrack. So it's not just that it plays differently; it also like has a different vibe going on. And mm-hmm. so it didn't feel like, oh, I'm just playing more of this game. It's like, oh, I'm playing a new twist on this game. It's worth noting that Kirkhope also did the Mario and Rabbids vanilla soundtrack, but he is the DKC guy. So, mm. yeah. Um, any other th- a third standout so we can try to I want to know if volley. anyone played Moon Crash because that's the one that I think should be on this list but I never played it I'm super intrigued by it I have oh, not shoot. nope not me okay yeah I've heard uh, good things I'm really intrigued by the uh, new mode they're adding uh, I think it's great that they supported it I was that was like a really positive thing to come out of uh, Bethesda's press conference that I was mostly just yeah. showing up. So, <laughs> so. Moon Crash for me has a similar uh, vibe as the what you guys were talking about with No Man's Sky. Mm. Even though Prey wasn't like shit can mm. at launch, uh, we liked it. It sold not great from what I understand. But mm-hmm. uh, Moon Crash kind of addresses uh, some of the criticisms mm. of, of Prey. And it actually takes what really works about Prey 
and it twists it in kind of a new light where is rather than uh oh uh you can go anywhere you can do anything like a lot of the times with those kind of games for me i just find what works for me and i just double down okay. on that. whereas mm-hmm. what the dlc does is that because it's more People take umbrage at the word, use of the word rogue cavalierly, but I'm just going to say it. it's it's more of a rogue-ish game in that each playthrough is going to be different. The characters have different abilities. What items mm-hmm. you find and what powers you find are different. So it actually kind of forces you to kind of check out some of the stuff that I wouldn't ordinarily check out during a normal playthrough mm. because during a normal playthrough, I just find what works and I stick with what works. Yeah. So should we put it up there? Sounds pretty compelling. I mean, the DK stuff sounds great, and I have a soft spot for Donkey Kong, but Mooncrash sounds like it is a much more uh, a much more invested kind of reimagining continuation of a, a base game. For as much as we shit on Bethesda, like I think it's great that they continue to support this game that has like a very niche uh, fan base, and the fact that it's getting a multiplayer mode that sounds pretty interesting you mean for how much we shit on bethesda for fallout and skyrim but we're okay with wolf doom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah those are id only like 50 so, so really they're they're subsidiaries yeah, yeah. rather than the publisher and their the bgs we shit on bethesda game studios we should mm-hmm. clarify yeah, I, I apologize to anyone who works there uh i'm i, I just <laughs> we know we have a big fan base I there just, I'm sure the, we're extremely yeah. popular with that. Shout out to my Maryland Bethesda. friends. <laughs> the, 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 the big turd there is the Bethesda main engine that they use for Skyrim and Fallout. Gabriel. I also just like the um, quest structure. Well, don't get me so, started. Yeah, can we put a, can we put Fallout 76 here as the third option here? Oh, sorry. Yeah. They've been forced to ongoingly support the game. Sorry, so I meant so most All right, let's wrap this up. Category. Best continuation. So let, me, let me give a... I've got two nominations on here that are the sportsy, the racy type of ones. Uh, NBA Live 19. So EA Sports, and okay, this is EA. This is EA Sports. They this are the game. They yeah. are the 900 pound. No, no, no. They are the 900 pound gorilla. <laughs> but they they have been or 2K NBA 2K has quietly become the best and the most popular and the best selling uh, sports game franchise in the U.S. FIFA is still number one worldwide because soccer is greater than da, da, da. but nba 2k has gone from being a bit scrappy to being really good to now being an absolute fucking overpriced and over uh marketed mess live from ea so and with this year nba live 19 they've made the gameplay better so the actual the, the base gameplay is getting better but also the live modes and how you create a character take the character through the game that's also gotten a lot better and it doesn't require all of the gross uh, microtransactions that 2K does. It's it's nice that they're doing it, and you know a nice thing that EA Sports is doing, but it doesn't necessarily get into the top three here. Gran Turismo Sport. Let me summarize very quickly. So from launch, they have added in 50% more cars and uh, and about 50% more tracks. So that there's now a 50% more content that is for free if you bought the game today. If you bought the game day one, it's been free the entire time. They've continued to improve and update the online modes so that you can compete, you can play online. 
and this is still like it's very quietly building it's not maybe as as advertised as overwatch league or some others but they they just had the first international championship which would be the equivalent of you know the nba now has its 2k1 um other sports have embraced their video game equivalents for championships but this is at a very high level internationally so that is also fairly notable Yeah, it's been well supported. I mean, I'm impressed that it exists as a service game now, a Gran Turismo, yeah. um, without feeling uh, schlocky like the Forza controversies. So I, I can agree with that. Every, every single Forza game, the packs are sponsored and you're paying for them. Yeah, Gran Turismo and Prey Moon Crash sound to me like the other two contenders here. Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. played Prey, so I can't... Uh, Moon I'm, Crash. I, I haven't played it, so I can't say anything about it. I haven't played it. either, so I can't either. As much as I love GT Sport, and I mean, I, I did an online race yesterday with others from Something Awful and wound up winning, and it was amazing, and I love the experience. I love how well the support of the game is. I love how well it plays. Prey Moon Crash sounds really cool based on what I've heard about it and what I've seen from it. And that sounds like a really well and really smartly done update to the basic game. Yeah, I, I would favor No Man's Sky and Premium Crash as one of the runners up. I think I think No Man's Sky. I don't know. I, I would it. say No Man's Sky. Yeah, is a they clear choice. They fixed it. Yep. I haven't played a ton of it still, but they fixed it. I still don't love it, but at least I respect it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If this was the game that came out at launch, I could have just safely said, "Okay." Yeah. I mean, hey, or, I spent all right. another dozen hours with it. I didn't think I would play that yeah. game ever yeah. again. Yeah, right. It needs a better tutorial, but damn it, it at least it's complete. Yeah, <laughs> it's gotten slowly better. And there are yeah. moments in that. It is actually finished now. There are moments that are really cool in there. All right, mm-hmm. ring it up. All right, No Man's Sky winning runner-up, Delta Rune runner-up. Prey Moon Crash. Groovy. For best continuation. Three to go. Lightning round time. Best storytelling. Good games convey an essential experience. What is the story that resonated most with us this year? Nominees are Celeste, Return of the Oberdin, Deltarune Chapter 1, You Are Jeff Bezos, God of War, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, No Wait, Let Me Finish. That's what's written here. Marvel Spider-Man, Red Dead Redemption 2 with a shruggy emoji, Yakuza 6, and Florence. Celeste is on here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say Jeff Bezos deserves consideration. You are Jeff yeah. Bezos. Yeah, it's, I, it, I think it's I, a I don't see game? Bezos in the top ten. I I see Bezos yeah. here. Yeah, storytelling in this case is illustration, yep. but I think it's a very good. Episode. It was not even illustration; right. it's just text, and that text tells a hell of a story. So that's I wrote, what I mean. What I wrote about it is that because I mean it's a twine game. If you if you're listening and you haven't played it, it's a it's a pretty short twine game, and it is. Literally, as it says, you inhabit the body of Jeff Bezos after waking up one morning, and then you're spending his money, his billions. And I wrote when I played through it that rarely or perhaps never has a game made me stop and think, huh, yeah, the rich really could solve so many problems without batting a fucking eye. And even though the story is kind of, you know, you cause an effect, you spend money, something happens, you're being chased for basically like you would think would happen in real life jeff bezos suddenly spent his billions of dollars being chased by police or the government or um, um, family members who are like don't spend our money and 
the so it's cause and effect you do something and something happens but the story itself of just confronting this capitalism this richness this how, what you could be doing if you were jeff bezos actually and the money that you could be spending it's just succinct it's very short but it's very effective yeah. i think bezos is a strong contender especially in the year of our gritty one (laughs) let's hear about some other games real fast here what else is a really good storytelling example i think florence is uh, i think florence um is it tells its story the one thing florence does exceptionally well over anything else is tell a story using this medium uh the way Mm -hmm. that your actions are uh limited but then um, mutated upon in interesting ways like when you start to get to know like when florence starts to meet like krish and they start to get along you form these speech bubbles on your first date to like try and communicate Mm -hmm. and like they start as these very intricate tiny puzzle pieces and eventually they get smaller and smaller and simpler and simpler until it's like oh i'm communicating more effectively here and becomes almost automatic but then when you have Mm -hmm. a fight it suddenly starts to be mm-hmm. who can like mash the angry red speech bubble faster or you know like you try to like stitch together a photo eventually of like the two of you together as it's kind of weighing from one side to another of who's winning the argument but no one ever yeah. does because in reality no one does when you fight as a couple yeah, frankly uh for what it's worth Dead i think ass. florence is my number one pick here <laughs> yeah i i had i had problems with the ending but that's just on a personal level i think as an overall storytelling game it's the best option here other than i like the story of most of these games actually like i like i don't think there are some bad picks here i think just that you know i think florence the three that are currently estimated of celeste you are jeff bezos and florence are unique enough to merit I would well, even look at place drop it. Celeste for something else too if it came down to it. Mm. Yeah. But look at else what else if we I'm, have. If I'm looking at best, I'm immediately cutting uh, AC Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, my biggest point was just that uh, bad ending. Uh, I think both AC Odyssey and uh, Red Dead deserve to be cut because even though they both have some really great moments hidden in there, there's just huge pacing issues that are both. Uh, kind of a side effect of the open world design and also I think some of it's just design choices by the developer like I think that both those games could have been paced better and could have yeah. uh, made it easier for those moments to reach the surface that's fair yeah Red Dead it, it is um, voluminous and I think the problem or what we should be looking at here I think are it's almost like a, a measure of succinctness. Like yeah. if you could tell a really goddamn good story in a very short amount of time, very effectively, like that is awesome. That bears a lot of, I can I could not summarize Red Dead Redemption 2 to you other than having to explain, well, well, here's Arthur Morgan and here's how he feels at the beginning of the game. And then this stuff happens, he gets sick. And then like, it just doesn't feel like a, a compact story mm-hmm. that's easy to portray. But it could have been more compact. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I would probably cut return of the upper den um that game is about solving puzzles for me the story itself wasn't mm-hmm. all that impactful or i don't think it even told the story all that well like the fact that they bury the eighth chapter at the very end i didn't think was particularly effective there was no big revelation yeah. there for me and like you know in case it's a spoiler the sea monster element mm-hmm. like 
I guess I wanted more from Me that, too. even though I know it's just kind of absurd. Yeah. It just it, it it is what it is. But I felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity. And too. maybe I missed some elements there too, where it would have all felt like it came full circle for me. But I just I didn't really feel like it made uh, very good on that whole premise. Mm. Yeah, God of War actually might be worth yeah mentioning, but the way um, that tells that story, I, it's stronger than the other triple. I feel like God of War might be a top three here. I think it does a really great job of uh, doing that, like, weathered uh, dad-father-son uh, mm-hmm. relationship. And, like, it's it's almost, uh, it has become a trope yeah. in games to have, like, old dad, young kid uh, in brutally, environment, brutally violent environment now. But I think God of War does it a lot better than others. You have actual, like, real uh, depth and growth in terms of Kratos, which... Who the fuck we'd ever see that from God of War? Yeah, and that is uh, shocking. And like effective a depiction of both a child, which is very rare for games, and effective depiction of parenthood mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. in a game. Again, in a fucking God of War yeah. game, and, like what is and going this on? whole like father-child thing in games has often been father-daughter. So to see a, a boy of roughly you know a boy of roughly ten boy. to twelve <laughs> years of age, like at that very crucial moment, represented so accurately yeah and the, so the lee and clementine relationship mm-hmm. the joel and ellie yeah. relationship but the kratos and atreus relationship is is equal but different in a good way it's very it's very rich and genuine and considered and it's every story beat i've seen so far in the first like third of that game is just so mm-hmm. it's, well it's not perfect because i think some of the turns uh, do happen uh, a little mm-hmm. bit faster than i would have mm-hmm. liked but as someone who works with young people and kids, like I thought that their portrayal and the evolution of Atreus makes a lot of sense in the context of that story. And yeah. I was happy with how they handled it. I would so I would I would cut Celeste just because I think that I love the game overall, but its story I think I think like we talked about with tone control, it has a better fit yeah. there for its themes and how it handles those themes, mm-hmm. but its story is not exactly remarkable. I agree with that. I think it's God of War, you are Jeff Bezos and Florence, and I think Florence or Jeff Bezos wins this. I'd vote Florence. <laughs> and the, just to note, not, not anybody's asking for it, um, Spider-Man, I think, is not a good pick for a runner-up or a winner just because it is a really, it's like the best Spider-Man, better than the, the movies, perhaps, but I feel like it's still a Spider-Man story that if you've read the comics in all their forms over years, you've picked up on the majority of those elements elsewhere. So, like, it's just not, it's not my favorite Spider-Man story, mm. which I feel like matters more than just being a good game story. I feel about, like, I feel about and, Arkham Asylum, where it's a very, very good yeah. adaptation of what makes Batman Batman, but it's not my favorite mm. Batman story. Right. Yeah. And, like, Yakuza 6 is, I'm loving it. I haven't finished it, but, um, So it's hard for me to say anything otherwise. The vertically integrated adventures of (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. I think Florence wins this. I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. All right. Florence wins best storytelling with your Jeff Bezos and God of War as runners up. Best photo mode. Tyler and Aaron and Doug, take it away. (laughs) Have at, boys. This shouldn't take long. It's Spider-Man. The nominees are Assassin's um, Creed Odyssey, yeah. Marvel's Spider-Man, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a funny addition here, Far Cry 5, <laughs> and I guess Dragon Quest Eleven has one? So the, what I would add, because I added a few of these late stage before uh, we, we started these deliberations today, um, 
I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for everyone or assume I'm the only one that's using them. So I think I get probably the most mileage out of the photo mode of all of us. Um, all of us like use them or dabble, but, um, so the ones I put on here, like, <clears throat> excuse me, Red Dead, yes, there's not a traditional freeze the action photo mode. Um, and same with like uh, Dragon Quest is its photo mode is very basic. There's not like aperture controls. There's some zooming in and things. Far Cry 5 did not have a photo mode at launch when I took all the pictures that appeared on our website. Wow. They added it later. So you would like hide the UI and take a picture mm. sort of thing. Um, but I think for me, this mode is, or this uh, category uh, is about also the quality of picture that you take, not just mm. does it have the most controls, does it have uh, filters, does it have cool technical features? Because obviously, like Doug would agree, as someone who also likes photography in the real world, photography is about the artistic output, right? And using your eye and your your artistic sensibility to create an image that has an impact or whatever. Um, so I think any game that allows you that has environments that encourage that sense of exploration through photography of any kind, uh, have a shot. It doesn't just have to be, does this have the coolest filter or does this have like the coolest, uh, uh, aperture mode or something? So I'm just going to add that. How much F-stop control do I have? Yeah. What's the ISO on this picture? That's my photography joke. I don't know. That's the shutter speed. So like, I think very strong ones though are Odyssey and Spider-Man. Um, and I would be fine with God of War, but I think Red Dead, I have spent a lot of time setting up photos in that game, um, considering it's very limited mode. It feels like real fucking photography though, man. So like, that's why I don't mind it. That, that fits with, Red Dead is all about being a pain in the ass to do basic things. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that like tracks. taking with those, that little box camera from 1899? Oh, God, how annoying yeah. that would be. Oof. So you know, it's not unrealistic. I I'm, I Pinhole really like that they did that approach. Um, I, yeah. I I just remember that there was a moment at one of the camps where I could see a rainbow, and I was like, oh fuck, that'd be a great <laughs> shot. And in in the time that I took in the game to try to get that fucking picture, the rainbow disappeared. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, game. Yep. The one downside about the photography in Red Dead is that the skyboxes do move super fast. And like the time from dawn to sunsets, your golden hour aspect, if you know the terms, like they are so fast in that game, unlike, say, uh, Odyssey or even Spider-Man, which was like perpetual yeah. golden hour. It felt like that entire game you played during sunset. Well, yeah, because so, in Spider-Man, they only moved the time ahead at certain points. Yeah. Right. Which is nice, because if you wanted to set up some night shots, you had plenty of time. If you wanted to set up daytime shots or golden hour shots you were if you're there you got it mm-hmm. and at the end of the game you can choose the i time, think so yeah that too right i think odyssey um just like origins the previous year is probably my favorite photo mode my favorite photojournalistic game in terms of things uh, varying environments to find and photograph and the quality of the mode because you can zoom out pan change the aperture, change filters and things. So it is, uh, you always get a good result. But Spider-Man was also really fun too. And I spent a lot of fucking time posing for like comic covers and yeah, things like that. The comic cover, also the um, the aspect that Spider-Man's photos are integrated as part of the game as well. So you're taking mm-hmm. photog- photos in some of the cases, either as... And if we're talking like options mixed with visuals, like yeah, Spider-Man has like the, the most you can do with the pictures and it's just a really gorgeous uh manhattan yeah and 
with the different suits. Right. And That's the only downside I would say is that by nature of its subject matter, it got more, it got tiresome for me after a while with Spider-Man where I stopped taking pictures because I felt like I was getting a lot of the same pictures yeah. or I was trying, I was replicating that. Whereas Assassin's Creed is an entire Greek world and you, you have landscapes, you have cityscapes, That's you have uh, street photography, you have wildlife photography. You could do all that if you wanted. But if you to. love New York City, man, <laughs> New York, New York, hell of a town. I think those two have yeah. to be on this list probably, right? Honestly, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're, sure. They're on there yeah. for sure. Right. So, the, yeah, Red Dead, Far Cry, and Dragon Quest Eleven were just like those are modes, or those are games that have photography modes. I don't think they're necessarily the okay. best. So, probably God of War is the third choice. Okay. By default, you can make Kratos smile. You can. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that must funny. Be so unnerving. <laughs> it's a little bit. Uh, what wins I, this? It would be. Uh, mm, what do you guys think? Spider-Man. I mean, I, I defer to the photographers here. <laughs> no, doesn't. Probably the me. one where it doesn't suck. Okay, so Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, no, Odyssey. Okay. Just in the terms of a one-to-one like comparison of photography, there were a lot of moments in Spider-Man where I was trying to get a shot that I probably could have done through Odyssey's photography tool that I couldn't do in Spider-Man. Okay. Quite. The I'm same. okay with that. But that's just. Anybody object? It's just me. Okay. Yes. Let's hear it. <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man's fi- photo mode was really fun, and it fit Peter's identity to a T. Uh, and that's why I like I don't, it. I don't think that realism is the thing that should be favored here, necessarily. Yeah. I, it, though, I think... You can take selfies in Spider-Man. I mean, photography yeah. is different things to different people, right? And I think that, you know, it's totally valid that Aaron appreciates the tools and the environments that Assassin's Creed sets out. Like, that game can be a phototourism game in a way that nothing else really can. Origins was the same last yeah, year. And yeah, and I liked uh, Assassin's Creed's photo mode a lot. I took a heap load of pictures in uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But in terms of like the mode I had the most fun with and I'm, I most appreciated existing in the game, that would be Spider. Me too. Yeah, I think it, it also, again, it plays in with the story. It plays in with the character. And at the beginning, you're like, oh, I found my camera. Oh, hey, I've you know forgotten how much fun I like taking photos or how much I like taking photos. I guess the question I posed to Aaron here is, I think uh, Origins won last year, didn't it? No, GT did. No. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Those cars. You know what? Those sexy, sexy cars. That sexy cars. I don't know. This is not my area yeah, of expertise. Yeah, so again, my argument, it's I'm not the only one making the argument, or I don't have supremacy over the argument. The argument I'm making is that Spider-Man does have a good photo mode, but it it petered out for me by the end i was not taking i actually didn't intend the pun but thank you for pointing that out i kept Um, taking pictures every time i got a new costume because i enjoyed uh seeing the different shots again that's why costumes are fresh as hell covered pictures yeah yeah so me not doing it doesn't mean that it is the only argument i was just saying comparatively getting a lot of time out of the photo modes in these games Odyssey still had staying power for me compared to Spider-Man, which is like, okay, here's another fucking swinging picture. Here's another me punching someone picture. Here's another suit picture. Am I going to post these to Twitter? What am I going to do with these? No. I would actually make a post of Assassin's Creed or uh, Odyssey content yeah. on our site. The the ones from Spider-Man, I probably wouldn't just because I feel like they're all yeah, the same. And frankly, those photos you posted of Odyssey are pretty incredible. Some of them are really, really neat. Like that, that to me is the only game on this list that really elevates in-game screenshot taking to like an actual art form. Spider-Man doesn't do that. Yeah, it's it's not distract. It's not detracting from the technical 
awesomeness of the world that Insomniac built mm-hmm. for um, Spider-Man. It is origins and what Ubisoft does with their worlds. For photo mode, for me, the world itself matters just as much. The subject matter matters just as much as the tools yeah. in there. Yeah, that's... And there's always something to take a picture right. of with Odyssey. Let's take a vote. Assassin's Creed or Spider-Man? Which one wins? Spider-Man. I didn't hear that. I don't, I don't think anybody's... <laughs> For Spider-Man yet. Between I, the two, um, I'm finding Spider-Man to sound more compelling. I vote Assassin's Creed. Oh, I'm the tiebreaker, huh? Um, then <laughs> I will go with Aaron on this one. Trust the judgment of the photographer here. Then. Oh, so I don't get to take pictures? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can no longer use the Spider-Man photo mode, Tyler. That is part of this. Everything okay with there, Spencer? Um, yeah, everything's fine with me. <laughs> Somebody getting wrecked over there or what? Getting no scoped? Uh, yeah, there's some, there's some hunting going on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Assassin's Creed Odyssey wins best photo mode. Um, and with runners up, Spidey and God of War. All right. Last one up yep. for the day for the categories. For our three hour category. Oh my gosh. <laughs> fun. <laughs> A game that is simply enjoyable to play independent of any greater message or narrative. The turn your brain off and enjoy yourself category, I guess. Um, which is fun. We have Spidey. We have Assassin's Creed Odyssey. We have Dead Cells. We have Super Mario Party. We have Hitman 2. Now, though I just was saying against Spider-Man, Spider-Man totally wins this for me. That's Spider-Man. Spider-Man, right? That was the most fun I had playing a game yeah, this year. Yeah, that was my turn off my brain game this year. I think Dead Cells is too hard for me to turn my Boom. brain off. It is very fun though. Yeah. So it is not a tune out game. I would say Dead Cells and Spider Man. Super Mario Party. List. I would put Super Mario Party up you there it? though, actually. What? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I hate Super Mario Party, but I've been enjoying playing this one. Megan loves the games and we've played with friends a couple times and it is fun. I actually don't mind it this time, and I hate those games. Me too. But I've, I've been thinking about getting that new one, even though I hate every single other one. It just sounds like it's the best so far. Yeah, it doesn't. Smash Bros. Smash is so good, though. Yeah, and they Um, tricked me into getting every single one. I nominate Smash Bros to this list. Uh oh. Here comes trouble. We have a Dark Horse candidate. um, You know, Hitman actually has a pretty strong. It's a pretty strong contender. It was fun to play through all of those levels and even doing multiple playthroughs. I haven't played two, but I found one very frustrating when I didn't get the right approach the first four times, and I, that's actually why I never finished it. So do so. What's I, the right again, approach? I didn't, I didn't... Well, you finish Celeste. Yeah, but Celeste is like <laughs> yeah. it's got a really short loop to it, so you know you learn as you go. Whereas Hitman's like, oh, someone saw me. I guess like I'll throw this it's tray random. and run away and get shot to death. I don't know if it's any different from one to two, but into two, it was very helpful where they have these specific story-based kills that they tell you. Like, so if you select one of these three kills and follow it, then you kind of can finish the level very easily. And then once you've done that, you know the level well, and then you can go back and redo it however you want. So I feel like if that wasn't there in one, I could see where it'd be frustrating. But in two, having kind of the guidepost to tell you, I want to kill this person by lighting the phoenix statue that they're going to get in at this weird ceremony for rich people on this island in the middle of the ocean um well i'm going to sabotage it so when the lights on fire she can't get out and she gets burned alive Jesus. okay <laughs> let, let me select that mission 
I'll go Watching do that. Watching all the, the mouse traps you can create <laughs> to uh, kill people is yeah. very amusing. Okay. Uh, the, the, the Miami, the racetrack one, you can have the father accidentally kill the daughter, which sounds amazingly <laughs> good. Yeah, there's these two like titans of industry, this young daughter, and they're both pieces of shit. Um, but yeah, that I did that one. That one was fun. So I I'd say Hitman is actually should be up there along with Spider Man at least. I don't know about the rest. Yeah. I would not have put a hundred hours into finally uh, finishing a run of Dead Cells if I did not enjoy how tightly it controls and acquiring the different uh, weapons and powers and navigating those environments. I think Dead Cells is my number one pick here. Oh man, I can't. I cannot agree. But I'm. I didn't finish it, but I. I stopped it. playing that game because it stopped being fun. Uh, <laughs> I just got distracted by other stuff. But it's yeah. the, just the moment-to-moment combat, the pathing you choose. The, the I, mean, I feel like that game has some problems where like the choices aren't always all that interesting, or they're very like obvious, mm-hmm. which isn't great in a game like that. But um, just that moment when you first bust out of the opening room and just start wrecking house every single time is so fun. Like that the game makes you want to keep doing more runs i think sure it it has that really excellent loop that a lot of those run-based games have where you start to convince yourself like i can do one more yeah or this is going to be the run you know yeah Yeah. and then it's not (laughs) i mean in my experience yeah (laughs) um Um, so is spider-man our top pick for sure i think it is simply because uh Message-wise, it kind of requires you to turn your brain off in some regards. At least that's he what I've heard. He loves to be Spider-Cop, which is awful. It was pure joy, though, of just playing as Spider-Man. The actual fighting wasn't super fun. No, it wasn't. Uh, and the, the stealth uh, was pretty mixed. Like, I thought, I, If there was one thing I wish they had learned better from the Arkham games, it was actually making uh, taking down bad guys and boss fights more fun. Yeah. Like, navigating the world was a blast. I loved swinging through the game. Mm-hmm. But when I had to stop, like, you're talking about, like, stopping the crimes. Like, yeah. Especially late game when you're dealing with, like, guys with fucking razor Ugh. guns and, like, heavily armored dudes. It's like, no. Nope. It started to become a yeah. chore. That's true. I, I think it's... I, ironically, even though... Maybe a runner-up, then. Ironically, even though I, I voted against it for photography, like, the photo mode itself is yeah. fun. I never said that. Um, to the contrary when we were talking about the other photo modes but like that along with swinging and the costume unlocks and all those things made it fun and some of the story beats were fun too uh let me just say real fast since i know smash isn't gonna win here uh if you've ever had fun inviting people over to play smash 64 or melee or brawl or any of those games this recaptures that wonderfully why can't smash win here? what's that i mean i I, I mean i think i'm the only one who's played it right yeah, at well, this time I'm definitely going okay. to play it. But, it's uh, also a known quantity, I guess. If you really wanted it to be on this list, you could yeah. say, "Yeah, well, it's Smash, but better." I mean, so that, then, that's really what I want to know because at some point in time, I have had fun playing every Smash. I don't hate them, but I just wonder, like, what what does this do to make it a most fun game? Like, what does it do anything interesting or new or different? that other smash games have it's it's weird because like to talk about this is to say it's it's actually a lot like i think a sports or racing game where it's like this is the one that really gets it all in the right place at the right time with the right set of features and the right kind of pitch and kind of structure around it like 
you know, adding all the characters in is kind of a risky move, but they've all been refined in such a way that they all feel fun and interesting again, in a way that I think Brawl and 4 kind of broke some characters in good and bad ways, and this really reigns it all back in, and um, while making some fundamental changes to some core characters like DK and Link play very differently now. Um, despite having a very similar moveset, like remote bombs on Link uh, really changes his whole play style. Um, so Link is the Akira. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who, he's also in here, by the way, but um, as an assist trophy. Uh, I mean, it's, it's also just really? like, you know, Smash has been all about like, all the fun stuff you remember is here and it's lovingly detailed and brought up in funny ways. Like I mentioned to you guys earlier that in the single player mode, uh, Ryu fights everybody with uh, fixed hit point counters instead of percentages of damage like is traditional. And everyone he fights is like a, a mirror or like a, whatever you call it, like a spirit that's meant to represent one of the street fighter mm-hmm. fighters like Chun-Li or Blanca or M. Bison is Master Han at the end of his mission. And like every level music is the Street Fighter 2 music, including like the oh shit, time's running out version that kicks in toward the end like it's just the amount of polish put toward like making video games you love fun again and bring them all to the same place it's even for this series this is above and beyond i think it's just it's also just playing the multiplayer it feels tight the play style is great the smash attacks land better than ever it's just real fun i mean i can i can hear the argument in the sense of I have a love-hate relationship with Smash just because, like I've said, I don't I don't have groups of people I'm going to hang out to play Smash with locally. Like I haven't had that since college, and um, or the occasional party, but which is fine. So like I don't <laughs> like playing Smash solo. The single player modes in the past have not been uh, enough for me to care. But like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't want to play that shit. game online. <laughs> talk about talk about unfun yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> But, like, what I hear about this new single-player mode and all that, that, that it might actually be worthwhile enough, all that's aside. When Smash is working well in the abstract, it is fun. So, like, I can't deny that, and I can't say that it's not a fun game. I just haven't played Ultimate, and I don't play it the way that many of you, like any of you guys probably would and many others would have. I do want to seek out multiplayer matches locally with friends. I do want to learn the movesets of all these characters and blah, blah. Like, I don't care about fighting games in that way. But Smash is kind of perfectly designed to be fun within the scope of the Nintendo um, uh, history. And I don't think it ever is not fun in that way. So I can see the argument. Yeah. Also, Simon Belmont rules. (laughs) I just can't wait to house people's game. (laughs) Uh, I think all six games on this list are a lot of fun, probably. Except Mario Party, I still can't quite fathom. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a weak pick, but it is fun. But it's that same way. It's almost for me like Smash, where it sucks playing solo. Like, why would you want to play alone? But when you do play with people, it is fun. But I think Smash is my pick here. Yeah, fine. Go for it. What about you all? All That sounds. You're still sticking to it? Really? I'm. Nothing if not consistent. It's true. Like I, I, the frustration from failed runs uh, was never enough to keep me away from continuing to throw myself at the wall that is uh, Dead Cells because I had a lot of fun unlocking the new stuff. I had a lot of fun trying out the new stuff, and 
the the moments of humiliation when I would lose a run because I thought I could make that jump or I thought <laughs> I could like squeeze by that yep. enemy or I thought like oh if I get this curse chest I could definitely <laughs> kill ten guys. I got with this. this. I got this. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That game is full of whole my gear moments that are just really fun. <laughs> Even though, like, sometimes I would get real close to the end and I would just have this, like, oh, I did it again. All right. But I would immediately just be like, but I can do it next time. All right. How about... How about... Give me that white guy confidence. <laughs> Don't need more of that. I like, <laughs> I like Smash. I like Dead Cells. I like uh, Hitman for this. I'll take that. Yeah. I don't care about the order. I don't either. Yeah. Tyler, if you want Dead Cells, you can have it. Dead Dead Cells deserves <laughs> Take a our win. scraps. Yeah, it does. It's a really special game. Yeah. And and he's right. I I am I am very much not the audience for a run based platformer like this, but I'm still enjoying <laughs> it, even though I'm barely getting into the second level. Yeah, I, I Right. I will say I had fun with it for the first half hour. And then eventually when I kept dying, I just was like, you know what? I don't have the time and patience to dedicate myself to getting so good at this that I can beat the whole game. So fuck this <laughs> shit. But yeah. I had fun for for parts of it. All right, guys. All right. All right. People are already worn down to making compromises. Most fun. We haven't even started. The All right. Most, well, just we just we just finished three hours on the categories. So most fun. Dead Cells. <laughs> wins with Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Hitman 2 as runners up. Perfect. And that's going to do it for this segment. We'll be back with Game of the Year Top 10 Deliberations after this. 